Hey, Bill and Rob's listeners, have I got something exciting for you. If you didn't see on our social media handles, at Bill and Rob's, then you may not have noticed that we guested on Piloting Error Podcast, another bridge burner podcast that you should be subscribed to. And in the great theme of pre-MCU Marvel content, we all watched the failed pilot slash made-for-television movie Generation X, which is based off of the comic book Generation X. And it was a long and fun and hilarious conversation that we are now dropping into the Bill and Rob's feed in hopes that you will then also go check out the other fine, fine episodes made by our friends at Piloting Error. I've guessed it on a previous episode. And so have some other friends of mine, as well as people I don't even know. But I listen to those episodes, and they are great. So, now's the time to listen to our episode on Generation X. At the Academy, you'll be required to follow a course of training suited to your mutant abilities and interests. I'm interested in body piercing. Well, your priorities are shifting, darling. We're training you to be a superhero. Well, I have to wear one of those uh, goofy superhero costumes. When you've graduated and are able to fight crime, you'll be given a uniform. The uniforms are, are quite tasteful. As you can see, we try to maintain a low profile. Hey everybody, welcome to Piloting Error, the podcast about unaired, unloved, and unhinged pilots. I'm Joe Young, and with me, as always, holding my hand, walking side by side in the light of Christ's love, is Stuart. How you doing, Stuart? Howdy ho, neighborino. And with us today, two very special guests. We are huge fans of these guys. It's Bill Tilly and Rob Schulte of Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. What's up, boys? Whoa. I think you've broken some cardinal rule. No one is supposed to be fans of us, <laughs> but I appreciate it. <laughs> and we work so hard to be able to be liked. <laughs> Can't you tell from Bill's tone of voice how hard he's working? The man is labored. The hardest working man in podcasting. He just hits the self-deprecation destruct switch, blows it all up right in the intro. Well, hey, here I am. I'm I'm, I'm excited. This is one of my favorite podcasts. Mine too. Oh, thanks so much. And speaking of this podcast, we are here tonight to talk about the 1996 Fox Matt Frewer Marvel pilot. Generation X. Yes. Yes. Oh. yes. Yeah. They really, really missed the mark when they didn't get like Pepsi to sponsor this. Yeah. No, no, it's all 1 800 collect. Things are changing. Like the way we call collect. Now, instead of zero, millions of people are dialing 1-800-COLLECT to save on collect calls. I, exactly. It is all 1-800-COLLECT, but, like, Pepsi is the voice of a new generation. Mm. Yeah, but there was not anything cooler in 1996 than calling your friends collect. Anytime, any phone, 
anywhere. <laughs> there really wasn't. Now, you don't know how many Prince Albert and the Cans oh, were released through 1-800-COLLECT state lines. Snowboard and then call collect. Or you could eat pizza and then call collect. Or... Yes. You could be Carrot Top and then call collect. Hey, Carrot Top here. Next time you make a collect call, just dial down the center with 1-800-C-A-L-L-A-T-T. It's free for you and cheap for them. <laughs> well, okay, so they couldn't use Pepsi as a sponsor because Matt Frewer is basically the star of this and he was a max headroom oh yeah was the sponsor for new coke more people prefer the new refreshing taste of coke over pepsi oh, i didn't realize that mm. so that would be conflict of interest that's hard contract law Damn. for sure catch the wave <laughs> i feel like i should be now doing this in my vintage coca-cola max headroom cutout on the back <laughs> of the coke container that i have in the garage oh absolutely the paper mask the one Ooh. yeah but then everybody would think i was just hacking television signals and publishing a manifesto while i was wearing it so. <laughs> so for our younger listeners how could we possibly describe what max headroom is and the nuclear powers have just denied rumors that the world's waters are being polluted by nuclear waste they say that the pollution is being caused not by them, but by all the dead fish we have today in the sea. Okay. Max Headroom is Siri's older brother <laughs> who has serious mental issues and a slight I, 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 yeah, addiction. And a tick. <laughs> this is Max Serious tick. He, the weird thing was that we all believed when we first saw it that that was a computer thing. Did not know that was just mm-hmm. Frewer in some seriously heavy makeup. There was absolutely no computer generated anything. It was all camera tricks and edits. And even the background is cell animation. None of it is computer at all. They couldn't do it. Did not have the technology. And that made it even better. So much that they gave him his own television show. Yeah. And it was amazing, too. So we were all into the Max Headroom craze, for sure. And you guys know it's getting a reboot, right? Dr. Doctor is? Yeah, AVMC is in development, and Matt Frewer is going to be reprise the role again. Wow. In that case, I'm in. Brianne and I... We watched the 20 Minutes into the Future, which was the Max Headroom pilot they made for the Max Headroom show. And it is really fucking good. It is. Oh. Amazing. It, it is. Like cyberpunk. And Mike Max Headroom, like the that character is only in it like very briefly at the end. Like he's used very sparingly. Yeah. It's all basically just Matt Brewer drama. Like you never see him. Yeah, it's a quasi detective sort of action adventure show where he's he is the front runner in that and max is basically just a supporting character almost inconsequential in a lot of the show other than to pop in and he does kind of help out now and then but the show is really great and they had some people on that staff that really knew what they wanted to do it is ahead of its time because i think 
you know, mm-hmm. it's it looks cyberpunk because cyberpunk is putting a bunch of crap together and making it look futuristic, and that's exactly what they did. They didn't have any computers to run with, so it is a lot of green Dynatechnic screens and vacuum tubes and ducting nailed to other stuff to make it look like the future, but it works. 20 Minutes into the Future's on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch it, it's really good. It's in my DVD cabinet. I'll be happy to mail a copy out to you if you need it. Oh, there you go. We're helpful here on this podcast. We do. We spread the gift of weird TV and movies. And what more pure gift could there be in the world? Oh, this is wonderful. Uh, actually, quite a bit larger than I thought. Really? Where I come from, every historian knows the bridge of old 1701B. Matt Frewer, also on TNG. Yes. He was on a very good episode. His name is like Berglingdorf Rasmussen or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Berlinghoff Rasmussen. I was close. Bill, pop quiz. What episode is that? Oh, I can't remember the name of it. You got me on that one. I'm so sorry. But I do know he does play a professor from the future yes. who is actually a thief from the past. And he is just a perfect mixture of likable and annoying yeah. for certain things. And just like Max, his character was that way, too. Can't say the same for the thing we're going to talk about in my opinion <laughs> yeah. on this one. But yeah, he's <laughs> usually fun to watch. He's still the best part of this whole thing. Like, by far. I don't even know who any of these other people are. Like, I tried to look them up to find anything interesting about any of them. And I yeah, there's one actress that only has one name, which is just very strange to me. Cher? After they recorded this, they left them in the nether dimension. I was blown away by this. There's so much about Generation X that seems like it would work. Like, if this would have just a few tweaks differently... Could have set all of like Marvel franchises down a completely different path for the better. It's just strange. If, if I were going to sum this up, it really is what would become the superhero movie formula in the 2000s, 2010s, shrunk down to a TV budget. Mm-hmm. They have a plot origin story about misfit superheroes who are loners by nature, but they have to learn how to operate as a team. And there's a B plot about a wacky supervillain who's easily dispatched at the end. All it lacked was a laser beam in the sky, (laughs) which they couldn't have done on that budget. (laughs) To me, it felt like the town bullies were more of the villain than Matt Frewer's character. Yeah. Mm. You know, it was more like society, which makes sense in an X-Men story. At the end, it's you and me that are the real enemy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The friends we made along the way. I think you're right. And I think this is one of those things where when this thing got made, somebody somewhere in the large building where the decisions were made went, hey, this is a really neat idea. It's popular. I think we could do something like this. And some suit went, go ahead and do it. And then threw his cigar down and walked out. And the guy standing in the room went, oh, shit, I don't really know what, (laughs) how, what do we do? We don't have any money or resources or anything. So, and it just has to get stuck into that. One, TV budget, and two, it suffers from a thing that Rob and I have talked about, which is you've got your heroes, but you don't have enough money for a villain. Therefore, you are going to fight some form of big business. Yeah. yeah. Businessman is your villain, and 
Brewer, to his credit, takes this in a direction I don't think you'll see in any other one of these kind of projects that you could look at. He injects all the life there is into the show, but he still starts out as just another guy who works for a corporation who wants to make some money somehow. Bill, we're currently covering non-MCU Marvel movies on Bill and Rob's, and the first movie we covered was 79 Captain America. Is that the one that J.D. Zellinger saw? No, that's that the that's the 1990 version. We are this is the oh, yeah. this is the Red Brown version, the yeah. clear plastic plexiglass shield on front of the dirt bike out of the back of the van. Oh, Captain very America. cool. There's a removable bulletproof shield that's part of the bike's windscreen. How do you get it out of here? Rocket assist for launch out of the van and jet assist for high speed acceleration. You're going to need something to protect you on that bike anyway. Why not a disguise? All those 70s superheroes rode around on motorcycles. <laughs> and you can't afford cars. Well, and the thing is that, is that, like, this sets the tone for big business bad guy. There's something refreshing about seeing this 1996 pilot where they're like, you know what? You don't mess with success <laughs> in terms of business <laughs> success and villains. The comic book that this is based off of, like the actual Generation X, X-Men spinoff comic, only premiered what two yeah. years before this so it was a new fresh idea this ain't your papa's stuffy old x-men this is like leather jackets and sunglasses x-men i only know the x-men from the cartoon show which was on at the time and there's even there's a promo for it <laughs> excitement awaits you on an incredible x-men adventure saturday morning on I did not know this was an actual comic book. It does this follow like an actual story? Did they pull things from the comics? I'm familiar with it enough. I actually bought that issue. This is a time, early-ish 90s through the late 90s. This is the comic book boom speculative area where things were yep. still going great and making big money. But they were publishing hundreds and hundreds of books almost every month. And X-Men was huge at the time. It had probably 12 different kinds of issues running at the same time with different teams. The first team had gotten older, so they have to bring in the new kids and train mm -hmm. them. And this is where this book came in. So these things are flying off the shelves back in the time. So it was no wonder that's like, hey, this is this stuff's popular, but it's smack dab in the middle of a time where nobody really knows what to do with it. And nobody that's a fan of these things is likely to be involved in any part of the process. And that is a major thing that Rob and I see in a lot of these things that if there's if there's no fan involvement, some suits will tell you, oh, you don't want fans because they're blah, blah. No, you want a fan on board because they get the feel of what works. And these guys don't. They just kind of look around and they pulled a few characters from here. Some of these characters don't exist in the book. Two of them are made up for the show because they couldn't afford to do the powers of the characters that were in the book. Yes. <laughs> which is really a red flag right out of the gate in my book. It'd be like, hey, we've hired you to do this thing. That's great. We're not going to give you near enough money to do this thing, but go out and make something great, kid. Just kiss of death when it comes to things like this, especially comic book stuff. Tonight, Fox presents a world premiere motion picture from the creators of a hit comic book series, The X-Men Comes Generation X. They've got the power. They've got the technology. They're the new generation of superheroes. And they're coming. To save the world. You can't win. I need some help out here, come Get ready for Generation X on the Fox Tuesday night movie. We don't really see any of the big name X-Men in any of this. Dude, I don't think yeah, it's no. ever explained why. 
And especially Professor X, even though they're using his house. Yeah, they're using his house in this. Excuse me, Banshee, Emma Frost? Come on. Now, Emma Frost is a big comic book (laughs) character, but you're right. You're not getting a Wolverine in this. Jubilee. Yeah, Jubilee was the star. She was in the cartoon. Like, that's really the only one that I know. Yeah, in the exact same, like, introduction, too. Yeah. And anybody who was a little bit older who'd read it, the male teacher in this, uh, the Banshee, is a major X-Men oh, figure in the comic me. books. But He ran that at the island, Mirror Island or whatever. <laughs> X-Force? No. Excalibur? Yeah. There's a myriad of X-Teams. The only team they didn't have was like X-Lax, and that was the kind of stuff you, that's how you feel after you watch this thing. <laughs> Which is terrible. It's terrible to say, but yeah, I'm sure it's a lot of licensing and you get away with what you can. Apparently, Charles Xavier's mansion's a timeshare. Yeah. No, those were big in the 90s. You, you go down there, you take your, do the, do the little lecture, listen to that for six hours, and we give you a free meal and you stay for a couple of days. It'll be great. Joe and Bill have history with this pilot. Y'all watched it live. Uh-huh. I recorded it live. I didn't get to watch it live. We had some sort of thing going on that night, so I had to record it. Despite the fact that I probably watched it three or four times after recording it, I did not remember almost anything from it. <laughs> Just wiped from my memory. Yeah. I-, I watched it live and recorded it at the same time because this was back in the time where if anything superhero was yeah. coming on your television this is no on demand it it's here and it's gone you may never see it again you just don't know and i've been burned by pilots before and i wasn't gonna be burned <laughs> again we have access to on youtube an original taped off tv broadcast from february 20th 1996 with all the commercials and everything exactly how we love it on this show yeah, yeah. I, I did sit and watch that one because we knew we were going to talk about commercials. So I wanted to see Got what you to. guys were seeing. Plus, I like watching. I remember these. I sat and watched it with my wife, and we were both like, oh, yeah, collect phone calls. I remember this. <laughs> when this was a thing. How did you forget? The thing I don't remember is when the hell did Jimmy Kimmel turn into the situation from the Jersey Shore? That was original Kimmel, Bill. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember him from the man show, but I don't remember him having that. Big old Jersey accent. We're going to be back here live in just a minute. And also, we've got the more Generation X coming up. So please stay right where you are. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was because he was a radio show co-host, right? Like, oh. just before this. Huh. So, one, I, I can't believe they committed the sin of doing this during Mardi Gras 2, the sequel. <laughs> and and you don't have at least a picture of Gambit, the one friggin' Cajun X-Man, sitting there in the back of the school as a prom picture? Come on. Hey! Surprised to see me? I know I am. What is Mardi Gras 2? I don't... Howie Long never tells us. Okay, so we have we have two versions of it up on, on YouTube. There's the better version uploaded by Retro Channel, which is a channel mostly of Fox Kids bumpers and show credits. Um, and it was uploaded January 24th, 2020, and it has 64,592 views, which works out to about 30,000 views a year. This is coming in at number three of our most watched pilots. Shocking. Joe, can you guess what number two is? Doorway? Was it doorways? <laughs> doorways. No. Mermaids? Oh, Mermaids is number one. Mermaids is over two million views. Elvira is number two, with 74, wow. 740,000 
Elvira show. Insanity. Only number one. It's an odd upload, and I'm very curious about the source. As far as I know, this has never been commercially available, but there are production logos at the beginning and some full-on cursing. I cosmically shit my fucking pants. Yeah, there's full-on fucks. Bill, which version do you have? You have a you have a copy on like Plex, right, Bill? Yeah, I got that one off the Internet Archive. Oh, it's up on the Internet Archive, too. I did not know that. Yeah, I was going to check it out one day just to see if the quality on it was any good because I haven't converted my version of it. So I've only seen the one that you guys sent us with the commercials in it. Oh, shit. I just found the cover art for it, actually. Hold on. Here, let me send this to the Discord. Oh, yeah. Oh, weird. Okay, so that's up on Archive? Oh, I haven't seen that one. Where'd you get that? I literally just, what did I even Google? Generation X movie home video release. I was trying to just find it on Amazon or just see if I could find it on any DVD site. And I couldn't find it for sale anywhere. I see it on IMDb, but it's not bad. Did they review it on DVD, Beaver? But the other one we have, the one that's uh, that's taped off TV, that one comes to us courtesy of Joe's Video Depot. Not my Video Depot. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like. This Joe spent COVID uploading 90s commercials and movie promos. Gotta have a hobby. Mm -hmm. This tape, which we are so grateful for, and the 1996 Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. definitely do maybe a side podcast about something it was hosted by rosie o'donnell oh yeah good old rosie (laughs) i used to watch her show every day after school well she had all those koosh balls yeah it was fun it was a lot of fun and then she'd make tom Selleck feel like shit you know this is a nice one-sided conversation but you keep interrupting me remember how civil you said we were gonna be i want you to talk for four minutes without saying one thing i did i didn't say one thing nobody puts tom Selleck in a corner (laughs) Oh, wait, hold on. I have a little bit of information here. Coming in. Uh oh. <clears throat> All right. So it was released in the UK on rental VHS. That's what that 15 is. That's always a UK tape. They never sold it, they just had them in rental stores, I guess. This is too good to yeah. let you own. Insane. You can't just take something like this home and watch it whenever you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is. What, what, do you, what do you expect? You're going to take the fucking Gutenberg Bible home, too? Oh, I'm sorry. That, well, yeah, this would be English. So you can't just take Generation X home like that. <laughs> do you think you're the banshee? Bloody, bloody top of the morning to you, mate. This ain't for your house, your, your no, hovel. You don't even have the right kind of over here to run a Betamax machine, you cop. Look at this moisten bent over here. And then they just scream like the banshee, grab it and run away. Do we want to read the, a contemporary review? Let me open it up and I will read it. God, even their press photo is sad. Once upon a contemporary time, a gaggle of weirdly gifted, ethnically diverse teeny boppers matriculated at Xavier Institute. Wow, Rob. (laughs) Okay, so I am reading some of these. These are not my thoughts. Okay, so first, I should say this is from Mike Duffy. Anyway, they pouted, complained, and studied under the telekinetic tutelage of the va-va-voomish Emma White Queen Frost. 
and her associate, Sean Banshee Cassidy. I'd like to break in here and just make a note that it is not Sean Cassidy of the Hardy Boys. Yes. Our young superhero scholars and their special talents include Jubilee Heather McComb, who shoots fireworks out of her fingertips. Skin. Augustin Rodriguez, whose stretchable epidermal layer makes him a fantastic plastic man. Mondo, Bumper Robinson, a macho guy with the ability to absorb any substance he touches. Monet, Amaryllis, a young woman with an Einstein-style brain and the perfect physique. Hmm. Buff, Suzanne Davis, a shy, insecure adolescent with out-of-control musculature and refrax. Randall Salvin, a Billy Idol look-alike who can melt glass with his optic beams. Where have we seen that before? All together now, Zowie! Of course, the biggest mutant of them all is an evil, middle-aged, crazy named Trash, Matt Frewer of Dr. Doctor, <laughs> who is determined to achieve global domination through mind control. This guy's even got a Freddy Krueger capability. He can jump into people's dreams to plant dastardly suggestions. Brewer wiggling out in the futuristic wise guy style he perfected on Max Headroom is the character with the most giddy up in Generation X. He makes an entertaining comic book fool, and Fiona Hughes also seems to be having a good deal of fun in her eye popping blonde wig and Silvery's super vamp togs. <laughs> When the troll white queen and her bud banshee go to bail out a couple of their misbehaving young protégés out of jail, they introduce themselves as officers Hootie and Blowfish from Mutant Affairs. Hey, I'm easy. I laughed. But for the most part, Generation X is aimed at Generation Clearacy. It's filled with the, the sort of noisy comic book bombast and trippy visual effects that only a mutant teenager could really enjoy. Wow. Thanks, Mike. Christ, that was awful. <laughs> so I'm going to guess that Mike Duffy, when he leaves his job at at his newspaper, goes home and has several well-worn copies of John Wayne movies on Betamax, and he sits down after that movie's over for the night and then reads a book yeah. about the good old days of carnies. Because <laughs> that is some old-timey wordage you're throwing in there, pal. I was a movie reviewer in college at this exact same time. Not once did I type nor think the word Zowie or Togs. <laughs> you are not the one to be reviewing this, sir. I did want to thank everybody for uh, joining us in the Dream Dimension here to record. And we're all strapped into dream chairs at home. We all agree, though, that Dream Dimension is just would be a great name for an album, a band, a movie. Like this, Dream Dimension is, is the best thing to come out of Generation X. That phrase. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a Dream Theater album. The Dream Police is living my world. The Dream Police. You remember that song? If only Don Dokken had been the villain instead of Matt Brewer, <laughs> the different show we would have had. Dream Warriors, yeah.
First thing that happens is we are at a 1-800-COLLECT sponsored Mardi Gras 2 celebration. 1-800-COLLECT, it's fast, it's easy, it's safe. Now let's get back to the wildest party in the world. This entire broadcast is dedicated to trying to convince us that using 1-800-COLLECT is the new cool way to call people collect. It's cool, it's sexy, and it'll get you fucked up. It's the wine cooler of, of phone calls. <laughs> yeah. The sex on the beach. <laughs> like, you know, Zima? Nobody throwing Zima the, <laughs> in the background in the crowd? You know, Come on. I am actually kind of surprised there wasn't a Zima or Red Dog or... Jesus, was Smirnoff Ice around yet? I feel like it was. I think so. Was there ever really a need for collect calls? Yes. Like, what was the push for collect calls? If you want to make a long-distance call, because you can't do that from every telephone. If you did that at home, make a long-distance call, they charge your account. If you do it from somebody else's place, it goes on their phone. They don't want you doing it. If you're in a pay phone, you have to reverse the charges or all this other spiel. So they'd set up these systems to where you can dial in and basically make these phone calls for still a ridiculous, exorbitant yeah. amount of money. But but it would be the receiving end that would pay, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, okay, I don't have a quarter. I can't make a call home to my parents and say I'm going to be late, right? There's yeah. an example. Right, but when you call your parents from a, what appears to be a set of lower Louisiana <laughs> and from their Mardi Gras to jail, and you're like, mm-hmm. hey, folks, it's Rob. Like, at least I'm not charging you as much money for this phone call as I could be because I dialed 1-800-COLLECT. Yeah, but I need you to wire me some money. I need you to be 44% less pissed at me for what I'm about to tell you. But here's my thing. It felt like people had to make collect calls. Like, that's what the ads were, right? Oh, no. Because long distance could be just around the corner. Yeah. What you guys don't remember is back in, those were based not on your area codes, but where you lived, where I live. I had people I could call that were way far away, but my friend that lived over the hill was a long distance call because that's where... The coverage stopped, so oh, yeah. you might have to make a long-distance call all through however many times a week. If like your family lives on the other side of town, that's long distance, and that's extra yeah. money. Wow. So that was the purpose behind these things. Of It was just trying to charge you less, yeah. cost them less money to talk to you to reverse those charges. Mm. Collect calls are great if you're in jail and need to be picked up from jail. Sure. Yeah. Huh? Yes basically the only way but what's really funny about, about this conversation is i think we're in at least three different time zones <laughs> yeah recording this podcast right now yeah <laughs> that's great i mean exist. we used to use the collect calling because they would give you 20 minutes for free on one of them so my best friend moved to atlanta when we were like 13 and we would just call each other for 20 minutes at a time going back and forth <laughs> <laughs> and it fucking worked. Yeah. My company that I used to work for, they would issue us basically like debit cards. Yeah, you dialed card. this super ass long yeah. number, and then you made your phone call, and you had as much time to talk as you had money on that card. So if it was worth 50 bucks, you had $50 worth of long distance. Yeah, phone cards still exist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or you could do what we figured out when we first got dial-up on our computers is you got a telephone, you got a, t- a touchstone phone, plugged it into your computer, and made your phone calls mm-hmm. over your modem yeah. free. V-O-I-P. Or you did what my wife would do with her family, which if you were out of the system, you called collect. And while the operator was trying to connect, they had a tap system on the touchstone. Yes. 
So they would Morse code it messages to each other and then hang up before the charges kicked in. Oh, wow. Oh, I thought so, you were talking yeah. about a little like the old freaking shit. The, like from hackers? The real shit like uh, Wozniak and Steve Jobs used to do back in the mm-hmm. 70s. You'd like blow the Captain <laughs> yeah. Crunch whistle. Yeah. yeah. Not that sophisticated. They would just wait. And while the operator was talking, they would tap on the phone. Like two taps meant come and get me and stuff. Like I'm worried that I've married an Enigma machine. It's kind of terrifying at sometimes because they were some elaborate shit going on in that house but yeah you, you had a lot of workarounds for long distance you had to that stuff was expensive yeah uh, operator i'd like to make a collect call please first name bob last name is we had a baby eats a boy hello collect call for mr bob we had a baby eats a boy sorry wrong number who's that dear bob they had a baby it's a boy oh Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. Mark Strauss from Melrose Place. Happy Mardi Gras from Fox. Now let's go to the House of Blues live. Hey, it's Jimmy, the Fox guy, Generation X is next, but we are live at Mardi Gras. Meet some of these maniacs as a binge and purge. Sadly, uh, up and Chuck couldn't make it. We're going to be back with more live from Mardi Gras. Yay! Stick around for more of Fox's Wild Adventures at Mardi Gras here at the House of Blues. Jimmy Kimmel is there with two people who are dressed as the embodiment of binge and purge for some reason. And they are at the House of Blues. Uh, I fucking hate the House of Blues. And Jim Belushi is there and he's dressed as a blues brother, which is fucking lame. It just This whole thing just made me really angry. (laughs) Wasn't this around the time of Blues Brothers 2000? Uh... I think so. It's a fucking infuriating movie. Yeah, it's really bad. Baby wearing sunglasses. It is in the front. I didn't like the original Blues <laughs> Very bad. What? You don't like the original movie? <laughs> what are you talking about? That is blasphemy. Well, we can each have our own opinion on this podcast. We can. <laughs> and as a guest, I do not want to be insulted. So. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. Any movie that has a pile of police cars in it can't can't be all that bad. I think they did that in Blues Brothers 2000 as well. Well, movie has a good soundtrack. That's all I can say. (laughs) Do they drive their car through a group of Nazis in Blues Brothers 2000? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think it's just a beat for beat. Beat for beat remake. It's like the Psycho with Vince Vaughn. Blues Brothers 2000 is the last Jedi of Blues Brothers movies. Don't put those things together. So amazing. Is that what you're trying to say? Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> We're not going to piss off the Star Wars people here. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> Look at your metachlorians in a bunch. Hey, that's that's Phantom Menace, <laughs> which I also think is better than most people give it credit for. And, and Joe, you know you can back me up on this. Yeah, it was fun. 
I will back you up on that. Phantom Menace was fun as shit when I was a kid. There was a blast. Come <laughs> the fuck on. Now this is Wait, we're here to we're here to have we gotten on. to the first scene of Generation X. No, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get to this definition. No. We were trying to do it, but we're just I know. over the- here. Jabber John, like a fucking sewing circle. It's another podcast about Star this Wars. Generation X podcast is mutated into a Star Wars podcast. This Generation X podcast is brought to you by Star Wars. Brought to you by Fanta. Mutation. Noun. The act of being altered or changed. Second definition. The illegal genetic condition. U.S. Statute 5504178. First apparent in puberty caused by the X factor, located in the penal gland of the brain. Pineal gland. I think you had it right the first time. <laughs> yeah, the penal gland. The penal colony of the brain. I had a lot of questions about that. I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> it's the only gland that swells in your brain. So it starts with a pretty intense scene. There's a guy strapped to a slab, and Dr. Russell Tresh who I'm just going to call Matt Brewer for the rest of this, is about to saw open this dude's head. Give us a nice clean cut, Georgie, or we're going to send you back to beauty school. But the the very last second, Emma Frost shows up and blows at them with her body. Stop right there, Russell! I I don't understand her power. Can somebody explain her powers to me? Psychic power. Yeah, she has psychic powers, but unfortunately they've all crossed up with the storm wind machine. Because that's apparently what we can afford. <laughs> so, yeah, she kind of blows everybody away with her wind powers. But one thing about the opening to this is if you're going to operate on anybody, why is it always they have to operate in like the storage room of a gymnasium? Yeah. The darkest room? Yeah. Why would you not at least tranquilize this dude, at least just to keep him from thrashing around while you cut his head open? I know you want that little part in there. You don't want him awake for this. That's just bad, bad procedure. <laughs> Donald Spectre, you are in violation of the Mutant Registration Act and are hereby forfeit of all rights. Come with us. No, 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 what are you doing? He's an unregistered mutant. He has to be processed. This maniac was going to kill him. Well, according to the head of your department, this is an internal misunderstanding. No charges are being filed. The kid is taken away by the MEA, the Mutant Enforcement Agency, for being an unregistered mutant. Mm. And by the way, Dutch angles in this show are out of control. Oh, Fuck. Oh, God. Fuck. Oh, yeah. I felt like I was going to be seasick. A fucking insanity. God damn it. I hate it's, it. Oh, the fucking. They were making me completely insane the entire time. The it's, real worldification of this show, because, you know, it's young, hip kids. we got to make sure that it's at an angle. It's got an edge. Some old dude on this production was like, eh, they did it on Batman. And they just hit the Dutch angle button and threw everything out of whack. <laughs> it was disgusting. So we get the logo. And it's an, it's an okay logo. Nothing really special. I mean, it's the exact comic Is book it really? logo. Yeah. So, yeah. I've got the issue of the comic. I should have busted it out to take a picture. It's no uh, There Goes the Neighborhood Bindle font. There goes the neighborhood. That's the truth. I will say they're trying to rip off the X-Files tile. Oh, yeah. Steal the way they've got it lit. Yes. That's yeah. what I was thinking. It looks just like X-Files. And the way they, like shot a light at it mm-hmm. or did a shadow at it looked just like X-Files. Yeah, I think that was the trick. They were hoping the parents would just the first five minutes and go like, where the hell are Mulder and Scully? What's this? <laughs> this episode sucks. 
Where's Moldy and the redheaded lady? I like her. She's pretty. She's a pretty lady. Smoking man. So first we meet Angelo, a.k.a. Skin. He has been accepted to the Xavier School, and he's packing up and saying goodbye to his family. Listen, when you get to this Xavier School, you don't let them treat you like some caguetas freak. Only I can do that. He gets in the car to leave, and I guess it's his sister won't let go of his hand, and this is how we learn about his power. He's stretchy like Mr. Fantastic. He's like a doll seam. <laughs> Yoga flame. Yoga fire. Once he starts stretching, apparently he has no ability to control his hand. Yeah, which is bizarre. He's screaming in pain. Was anybody else thinking that the villain was immediately going to be his sister? Did anybody else get creeped out by her dead-eyed grip on her brother trying to pull his arm off as he drives away as this fantastically <laughs> restored pickup truck? I did. Yes. Yeah, I definitely got weird vibes from her. Yeah, one thing I had to say, this neighborhood was really nice. Like, these houses Houses were really nice. Yeah, make a note of that later. That he walked out of a place that every house has a white picket fence. When he tells his barrio story later in the episode, flashback to this. Yeah, it seems like everybody loves each other yeah. intensely. I mean, what is the yeah. problem? <laughs> I wouldn't want to leave either. So then we meet Jubilee, and she is the only character that isn't new to TV at this point because she's in the cartoon. Yeah. This scene gave me a lot of hacker vibes. It's exactly how Jubilee is introduced in the X-Men cartoon as well. She's in a mall. I don't think she's in a mall. I think she's in a rave. In a mall arcade, she's getting really intense into playing the game, and all of her sparks start flying. It says on her rest thing... Cerebro? <laughs> yeah, her Cerebro, that she was apprehended in Watkins Mall. That's why I say that. Oh, yep, yeah. See that on there. And she's playing specifically Virtual Fighter for Sega. Which we already got a commercial for earlier when we see Matt Frewer trying to sell something as, you know, the business exec guy. Well, with this machine, I can get directly into anybody's dream and make suggestions like play Virtua Fighter video games. Okay, Virtua Fighter, the new fighting game. It's not Mortal Kombat. You know that girl? Yeah, her name is Jubilation Lee. Jubilee's real, like her full name is Jubilation Lee. Yeah. And I even in the comic books, it's like, call me ignorant, but is anyone ever been named Jubilation? Yeah, maybe. Like you don't see a name like that without it being followed by next coming to the stage is Brooklyn. And let's give it up for Sapphire. Leaving, leaving is Sapphire. Let me plug into the piloting error computer here. <laughs> we'll see if we have anybody. Okay. I'm ignorant. Babycenter.com says jubilation is a girl's name meaning origin and popularity and in 2018 alone it was used 23,000 times good wow happy birthday baby jubilation may your life be a little easier and if you get in the arcade stay away from the weird middle-aged man who's wandering around in the middle of it <laughs> yeah so she gets apprehended and we get this scene where she is in a jail cell talking to her mom about the fact that she's a mutant. Honey, why didn't you tell us? What am I supposed to say? Hey, mom, I think I'm a mutant, but don't worry, and I'll study harder. Don't take that tone with me. What kind of freak am I, mom? 
not a freak. There's obviously some queer or gay or even trans parallels that will be better used in later movies, but they missed the opportunity completely here in 1996. Same thing when we see the mom talking to the cop. You can't just take my daughter away. She's only 15 years old. She's never been in trouble before. Mrs. Lee, your daughter is an unregistered mutant. Well, we're going to register her. We, we just found out about it. These things don't just happen. They begin when the mutant enters puberty. She was just hiding it. You can't just send her away without a hearing. What about her rights? She's a mutant. She doesn't have any support. She is an American. You can't tell me that she doesn't have rights. Calm she, down. Look, you sit gonna... down. There's a lot of conversations they're not having here. They're just breezing over. Well, and X-Men was what? X-Men's all civil rights, right? Yeah. It, well, it it was all those things. That, all this was the thing back then, which you could cloak all these issues under the guise of science fiction or comic books. You can't come right out and say it. You have to skirt the issue or you're never going to get this on television. So if you'd done this as she was anything, which was something you could say today, trans, gay, anything like that, this thing never gets made. It never sees the light of day. That scene's going to get cut immediately. You yeah. just Well, that's a different story, right? right? We're we're telling a story about mutants and superpowers and all that sort of stuff, but like in successful storytelling, there are allegories. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's here and it's done on purpose, but definitely misses the mark. It's just like kind of like wink and a nod, but they couldn't quite close their eye all the way. Yeah, Elite is well buried by the acting and the skirting around it. They're not really hitting too much on the head with this one, so it is kind of lost. It's 1996. I mean, I guess I was saying what they would do nowadays. Oh, yeah. But here it's very under the radar, under the surface. It's not done well. Yeah, it's a blanket. Yeah, we didn't talk about that kind of stuff in 1996. (laughs) Not on network television. No. But the thing is, we still got the point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't really so much matter what the difference was when it just came down to like, well, somebody's being persecuted for something they can't control or something is really not hurting anybody else. They're just doing this other thing. That's the kind of stuff that caught on. so. So then we meet Banshee who is asleep naked in a bed before a roaring fire. And Emma Frost comes in and says, wake up, lover. Wake up, lover. I'm even better in real life. And they have this strange conversation about her invading his mind. I told you what would happen if you ever invaded my mind. If I invaded your mind, you'd never wake up. Neither would you. And he goes, wow, I'm hard as a diamond. Wait, that's you, Emma Frost. (laughs) That's Emma Frost's other power is that she can turn into an organic diamond really yes she is cutting okay what are her powers super telekinesis to the point of very dangerous maybe even more powerful than gene gray and she can turn into an organic diamond oh okay fair enough (laughs) (laughs) don't ask me (laughs) and she has the power to blow yeah exactly don't you know you have to manifest your telekinesis in a wind sort of way on screen. I was kind of hoping that they would say that the fire was actually one of the other students as ascension, but why is that fire so fucking big? Mm. Who goes to sleep with a fire raging that high right next to him? Yeah, who puts their bed right in front of a fireplace? Rich people. Like, Rich people do. 
Yeah, I'm getting some bed and breakfast vibes here, and I'm uh-huh. into it. I'm so glad you said bread and breakfast, because it's in my notes as well. Like, why is this school in a bed and breakfast? Their library has five <laughs> books. I think this is the living room set redressed. When Everywhere they go, the rooms are small, and it's like, I don't think you're at school. I think you're at the Stratford Inn. I And there's, there's only one bathroom. A school for five <laughs> gifted students. Seriously, if Bob Newhart had been the groundskeeper, this all would have made sense. Why don't you put a sock in your mouth? So the mom leaves the jail, and there is Emma Frost and Banshee standing outside on the courthouse steps. Mrs. Lee, could we talk to you for a wee moment? My name is Sean Cassidy, and this is my associate, Emma Frost. What do you want? We'd like to help your daughter. They tell her they want to take Jubilee to the Xavier School instead of the mutant concentration camps. We represent an organization that doesn't like to see innocent children taken away to mutant camps. In what? A strippers club? It's Xavier Institute. It's like a boarding school for young people. This is a children. sales pitch? You're recruiting us for for some expensive boarding school? And she's apprehensive, of course, but eventually seems to agree better than the latter, I guess. So they go inside, and Emma uses mind tricks to get past the guards. She shows him what looks like a postcard and tells the guard they are... Officers Hootie and Blowfish with the Bureau of Mutant Affairs. We're here to transport the mutant to a rehabilitation center. Officers Hootie and Blowfish from Mutant Affairs. Transfer mutant. 95-96 would have been tight with Blowfish fever. So You and me, we've got mutant powers. <laughs> that line made me cry. <laughs> you don't want the blowfish fever. You don't. It takes years to get over. Painful. Remember on Friends when uh, Monica made out with the blowfish. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, blowfish, suck on my neck. <laughs> so they go into the jail cell where Jubilee is. Officers Hootie and Blowfish are here to transport you to the mutant center. We prefer agency issue manacles. And put fake handcuffs on her. Where and and then we cut back to outside on the courthouse steps where Jubilee is telling Banshee and Emma Frost. Guys, I want to thank you for that totally bizarre escape number. You're a major talent, really. Nah, I gotta go. Maybe I'll catch your, your act on the comedy channel. She saw right through your psychic shield, Emma. She's good. That's right, Officer Hootie. <laughs> no, I gotta go. Uh, no, you don't, darling. You're coming with us. And they have to convince her to go with them to the school. And I don't understand why didn't her mom hang around? Like, and was like, yeah, yeah, yes, honey, go with these nice men. <laughs> yes, I, I'm glad you brought this. I have questions. I have, I, I don't understand how any of this is legal. She's been arrested. She's not been released by the law. All they've done is to go and basically said to the mom, we're going to take your daughter. And then they go in and break her out of jail. That's going to wear off. They're all criminals. None of this is right at all. See, she didn't enroll. She didn't pay her fees. They just walk out with her. They're going to be after her as soon as she comes back to town. See, I, I assume that they used mind control to get the cops fill out all the necessary paperwork. Very well could be. And it also looks like there's only like three officers on duty in the entire city. Yeah. So yeah. that probably helps too. They're just like, fuck it. I don't have time for this shit. Let her go. Any more kids? There for us to railroad. Get on this, Arsky. So while all of this is going on, supervillain Matt Frewer has been busy working in his dentist office slash lair. As we said, he works for a corporation that is willing to go along with his evil ideas. But 
they're also a little hesitant of destroying people's lives for money because they don't want to get sued out of existence probably the only thing and this corporation it only seems to sell three products a virtual fighter slick lips and coffin nails cigarettes coffin nails cigarettes let that sink in everybody coffin nails cigarettes fantastic name much better than red apple the evality of these products is debatable i mean video game fighter kind of violent i guess cigarettes obviously bad but slick lips like that's lipstick a bad thing yeah, because it's made of animal fat. I think it's a uh, slut shaming. Oh, <laughs> they're in the sex trade, that sort of thing. <laughs> so Matt Fuhrer, he's already able to do subliminal messages, and we saw that with Jubilee. That's why she was freaking out at the arcade, and her and she started sparking because I think because she saw his face in the machine. Yes. She saw his floating head. Play more, He's just got this guy that's there that he tells his evil plans to. I think it's an executive of the corporation. I don't remember. He saw the sparking thing happen at the arcade and he wants to find Jubilee because he wants to use her brain to get inside of dreams. Is That seemed to be yeah. his plan. <laughs> He's under the impression that the mutants can just go into this dream dimension just because they're mutants, which is why he's wanting to suck out the X factor of their brain so that he can either eat it or put it in his machine and make it better. That is his ultimate goal. They do mention that towards the beginning of it. Dreams are another dimension, Bobby. Can you grasp that? You know, like uh, Freddy Krueger. This machine allows me to step into anybody's dreams. You know how I use subconscious images in our... uh, advertising well with this machine i can get directly into anybody's dreams and make suggestions like buy slick lips lipstick or play virtual fighter video games only this will be a thousand times more effective because i'm going straight into their brains but it is so hidden in his jim carrey riddler performance that he (laughs) throws into his explanation to his executive, whose name is Bob, who I am convinced is an homage to Bob Orton from RoboCop. I actually thought for a second that the boardroom that they're in, in the boardroom scene, was the boardroom from RoboCop. I was like, this, it looks the same. I, I, <laughs> I had to look it up. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> it's not. No, it's definitely yeah. a mall food court. <laughs> yeah. It's the Watkins Mall. That's the beauty of it. This corporation is in the some of the least mall space that Jubilee got caught in. That's why they're so close together. That's why he walked right over there. It was right next door. The X Factor allows you to enter the dream dimension, but he also he has a mm-hmm. chair that does this. Right. Yeah, he's getting in there through oh. science. He wants to be able to get in there without using the chair. He wants to basically have the superpower to get in there and root around and make anybody do whatever he wants from the dream side of things. Yeah, because he definitely does not have a future as a furniture designer, because that chair is a bitch. There's no way. <laughs> You're getting in and out of that every time. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a chair from the uh, 12 Monkeys universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if the, yeah if, the, if the event horizon had a yard sale, this is one of the chairs you'd be able to buy. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Bill. I'm going to have nightmares yeah. now remembering <laughs> event horizon. You're welcome. Oh. We're leaving. So Jubilee, Skin, Banshee, Emma Frost, they all go to the Xavier School. 
And it's worth noting they used Hatley Castle in British Columbia for the establishing shots of Xavier School. And this property has been used almost universally as the Xavier School in all the X-Men movies. But this was the first time. Did they ever use it in a Batman? Because it really does look like a stately Wayne Manor kind of thing. It does have Wayne Manor vibes. That is an actual house in Los Angeles. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. You know that. Yep, according to Wikipedia, The God's Honest Truth, it is not Wayne Manor. Ever. The weird thing is, this mansion must only have like four rooms and the rest of it's under construction. Yeah. (laughs) Well, with all these students roaming the halls all the day. Xavier School of Dutch Angled Youth. (laughs) Dutch Angled Youth. We teach you things you need to know from a slightly different point of view. It's just a little bit twisted, a little bit askew. (laughs) It'd be great if they went through and every time they had a shot that was straight on, they would just bump into the door. They're like, something feels wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So this is when the most awkward fucking thing happens. (laughs) They're checking skin and Jubilee in. And for some reason, they feel the need to humiliate Jubilee, who is like a 14 year old girl. Step behind the screen and remove your clothes. What? No way. No. Darling, we have to do a full body imprint. It'll just take a wee sec. Then you can go outside and meet the other kids. They make her go behind a screen, take off her clothes so they can scan her body. And Emma Frost is like just standing there swabbing. spreading on gel. And doing injections. And skin is just standing there gawking. It is extremely uncomfortable. And then they're like, don't, don't laugh. You're next. You're next, handsome. And it really is strange because if you want to buy what they're selling in this scene, they somehow have to do full body analysis, which means Jubilee has to take off her shirt. Right. But not her pants. And that would mean that Skin is going to have to take off his shirt, but not his pants, which is a completely different thing. And also, we're doing this all in one room? This is Xavier's fucking mansion. No, no space. No space, no space. at all. We're renovating. <laughs> We've only got three rooms. Lucky enough to have for my wife to still be awake and in the room when this scene came on. So I got the female point of view for this, since we are four guys talking about That's this. Right. And this scene came on. And he says, you have to have a full body imprint. He doesn't say what that is. We have to scan you for the record. And my wife kind of looked up. And when this scene happened, she's like, oh, fuck that. And (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that's kind of gross. (laughs) And she's like, doesn't even, same thing. She's like, doesn't even make any sense. She just took her shirt off. Why? Yeah, I don't understand it. And when he grins, she's like, he better have to just take off his fucking pants and leave his shirt on to make this even. Yeah. Screw them all. (laughs) She got up and walked out of the room. You're right. This makes no sense. Plus, I'd like to say this is the point where I, Firmly am in the camp of skin is a fucking creeper. Yeah. Yes. He's terrible. Disgusting. He's a nasty little creature. Yeah. He is like, if, if Freddie Prince Jr. crossed over from an evil multiverse, this is what you would get. (laughs) This little swarmy bastard. Hi, my name's Arlie. And that's Mondo, Kurt, and Monet. I'm Jubilee. This is Angela. So this is when we meet the rest of the mutant teens. They're all playing football outside and Jubilee and skin come out 
playing football in like the hippest clothes yeah you've ever seen they sure. just got back from shopping at gadzooks <laughs> they were at gadzooks one of them went to hollister and then fast forward and journeys yeah and it's like if the glendale galleria fielded an intramural team this is what it would look like <laughs> they got the leather jacket's gonna get grass stains that's all i was thinking about this entire time. yeah man that thing is white you can't play football in white leather what are you thinking <laughs> maybe that's his powers yeah. i don't know they're gentle it's a gentle game <laughs> so there's mondo who is a big guy who can absorb the hardness of things and yep. become hard there is refrax who has super eyes really stupid power he can shoot things with his eyes and he can see through things yeah never seen that ever in the x-men ever yeah he's got x-ray vision <laughs> so he can see more 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 <laughs> damn, damn. that's it for the people at home he yeah. looks like a young billy idol. he looks exactly it's so ridiculous like hey that's what your friend who wrote the article said too bill uh-huh. Frost tips. I think for sure they only added this character so that they could have somebody in sunglasses. Yeah. We, we had the sunglasses, didn't have the actor. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch, right? How in. do we get x-ray vision into this story? Uh, they, they just grabbed him from behind the counter at hot dog on a stick. <laughs> it's an easy one to shoot. Just do yeah. it. You want to be in the pictures? <laughs> so then there's Buff, who's like a muscle girl, I guess. <laughs> Great name. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Monette Yvette. Monet Yvette Clarice Maria Therese St. Croix. <laughs> yes. Who's played by an actress with one name, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. God damn it. That is extremely funny. Amaryllis. And she wasn't in anything really. I mean, you'd think someone with one name would have done a lot of things, but she yeah. only has like six credits. <laughs> she was in The Fresh Prince, Sweet Valley High. Dream on. The smart guy? She made her royalty check and now doesn't have to work. She's playing the perfect person. What more could she do? She's like, I'm checkbox. I'm out. Or maybe she thought, I'm just going to ride that sweet Marvel money all the way to retirement. Right. Oops, it's 1996. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. So there's this, there's this bizarre scene where they're all waiting for the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Because it seems that they only have one bathroom in this giant mansion. And Refrax is pretending to use his x-ray eyes to look at Buff through the door. And she bursts out and says, I know that you cannot see in that bathroom because that is a shielded fire door. But if and when your power kicks in and you do look through my clothes, I will rip your head off and attach it to his butt. And I watched the broadcast version first. And I was sure when the other version that was commercially available they replaced it with something because it's so awkward. Yeah, it's stilted. But but no, it, that's exactly how she says it in both both versions. I kind of like it. And it really does set up the perfect, perfect payout later when his powers do kick in <laughs> and he can see through things. Like, oh, are they going to kick in? I don't know. But she lets us know that if they ever do, that's what she's going to do with his head. There's another member on this team. It's called foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get some pretty boring scenes where they're all looking at magic eye puzzles. The secret to all psychic power is being able to relax and concentrate. Hey, excuse me, Mrs. Frost. How are we supposed to relax and concentrate at the same time? Make believe you're playing with yourself, Kurt. <laughs> 
doing some <laughs> hacking type stuff. Cerebral globally monitors all mutant activity, which you will be required to log and process. And then Skin and Jubilee are studying a book written by Emma Frost in the library, and they discover the dream research. The same stuff that Matt Frewer was talking about earlier. Emma Frost was involved in a government program developing a machine that could access the dream world. It's reinforced that mutants are especially good at going into other people's dreams. <laughs> that means that our cells aren't just three-dimensional. So we're already hardwired for dream travel. Who's your day? Yeah, not a thing that they ever mentioned ever in the comic books anywhere. No. And I don't think Emma wrote this book so much as she taped it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's clearly a picture that's been taped into another book. And <laughs> I like it's like this picture was actually taken downstairs. You'll see this on the security camera later. <laughs> this is such like a fucking Don Simpson cocaine idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they can go into dreams and they can do cosmic battle in each other's dreams. It's just like Doctor Strange. Exactly. Oh, God. That. And I know that's one that y'all are going to visit, too. That would have made it so much better if there had been a footnote <laughs> by Doctor Stephen Strange that they could have read at the bottom of this thing. <laughs> instead, of the, instead of the page where that reads where it says Emma Frost is. Like, so Emma Frost wrote this book or yes. wrote about it in the third person for herself. So That would have been mm-hmm. awesome. Why didn't they do that? Like, the, written by Doctor Strange. Because they didn't call me and, and Joe. They didn't call yeah. us Nash. And also, Stu, to be 100%, we will not be covering Doctor Strange, because oh, you guys already covered it, and we're just directing everyone to your episode. I told Bill I, re- I oh, refuse. Sweet. I refuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could not do it more justice than you guys already yeah. did. It's pretty horrible. It's pretty bad, except for the really good parts, yeah. which are very rare. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which are also really bad. I am still hounding Marvel Legends on Twitter to get me my Peter Horton Doctor Strange action figure. I want it. I don't give a shit. Oh, shit. Hell yes. I want it. Yeah, I would totally buy one of those. Tonight's movie, Generation X, will continue. The Fox Tuesday Night Movie is brought to you by... Pumpkin Spice Podcast is back to talk about some of the spookiest movies out there. But this time, they aren't covering franchises. They're taking bus tickets to new cities to explore the horror happening all over the globe. So tune in to Pumpkin Spice Podcast, a bridge burner podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out now. It's Pumpkin Spice Podcast. We get some commercials. Only thing worth noting is we get a little bit of what's going to be on the 10 o'clock news. Tonight on the 10 o'clock news. Do you like your hair? Maybe it depends on how much you spend on it. Contact A compares haircut costs. That's tonight on the 10 o'clock news. Smart shopping for haircuts. That's right. The cost of haircuts have gone up to 75 cents. Is this too much? Is it going to bankrupt your family? What does the amount that you spend on your haircuts tell you about you? (laughs) It makes me kind of sad and kind of glad at the same time that videotape cannot capture the smell of what it's recording because this thing would be so (laughs) doused in hair product and Aquanet. The 90s quaff took a lot to hold together. None of this, you know, shake it out in the morning and go with that mussy stuff. There is so much gel on this cast that that's why they didn't have a fire blower on this team. They would have all gone up in a flaming fire. That LA looks is fucking basically C4. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's bad enough that they fill every car in Los Angeles with explosives. They got to put it in their hair, too. They all blow up on TV. Uh, It's crazy. I tell you, one of the great things about Mardi Gras is all the beautiful girls. And I think we've got six of the very most beautiful girls right here with the Lemon Sisters. 
I think you'll agree. Hey, we've got the More Generation X coming up. So please stay right where you are. Oh my goodness. Jimmy Kimmel is hanging out at Mardi Gras 2 still. Uh, and now he's with the Lemon Sisters. Okay. Who are men dressed as women. Yes. Okay. So I don't know if anyone else had this thought. And I got to know. Are these the guys from mm. Lemon Party? No. Listeners, if you know, don't, send, us an don't email. send us an email. Just go Google Lemon Party and then Google the Lemon Sisters. Oh, and then make up your own mind. Yeah, make up your own mind. We don't need to know about it. I don't know. The Lemon Party guys are so much older than the Lemon Sisters. I did spend about five minutes trying to figure out if this was a real thing. And I, I concluded it's just some idiots dressed up in Mardi Gras. Send your Lemon Party yeah. fan fiction to Piloting Error at PleaseDon't.com. Yeah. <laughs> if you have written Lemon Party fan fiction, we want to talk to you. Send us a voicemail. Please. We will play it on the podcast. Send us a voicemail. Piloting Error voicemail. And say some weird shit we can use on the podcast. Area code 737-239-1983. That's area code 737-239-1983. Area code 737-239-1983. So when we come back, the mutant teenagers are heading into town for some fun. They even managed to convince Banshee to not chaperone. Mm -hmm. Mr. Cassidy, sir, we were thinking, um... We feel kind of dorky having you drive us into town like, you know, you're our dad. I mean, most of us have our own licenses, and it'd be very cool if we could drive ourselves. That would be cool. But if your mutant identity were compromised, that wouldn't be. And I'm not sure you're ready for that responsibility. Oh, come on. you got to keep your eye on us. All right, enough, you harpies. Have it back by curfew. And remember, being allowed out is a privilege that can be revoked. Yeah, this seemed like a terrible idea. Dude, what could go wrong? Yeah, no kidding. They all go their separate ways. The girls go clothes shopping. Yeah, women be shopping. And the guys stand around and talk about the girls' bodies and debate which ones are hot or not. Ollie's a heifer. Oh, dude, she's so not. I mean, she's a babe. A babe? Yeah. Big bad buffalo was a babe. When I pulled her off you in football practice, she was solid. You snuck a feel when you pulled her off me? Well, maybe a quick one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely insane. This is what television has always told me guys talk about. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, God. It's it's really gnarly. <laughs> this is the scene where he says he copped a feel. They are teenagers. Fucking. And teenagers are dangerous and true. scary. Jesus yeah. Christ. Especially when they have powers. And are horny. Just casually admitting to doing a little assault. Back in the 90s, if you found some teenager who said, I have a superpower and it's really x-ray vision, the people around him wouldn't blind him immediately because you know what he's going to do with that. <laughs> he's looking at my goiter. Skin goes off by himself and he is following this girl and her friends and being really fucking creepy. And we learn this main girl's name is Kayla at some point. They all go into a diner and sit down at a table with other people and Skin sits at the bar alone. And the girls are telling the guys that he's following them. She is. He is doing these things. He's absolutely stalking them, for sure. It's awkward at best. Uncomfortable at worst. This guy seemed to have a giant family. I do not understand why he's so awkward. He should be really used to being around lots of people. But one of the jock guys at the table goes up to the bar and invites Skin to come and sit down with them. My name's Lance. Angelo. Nice to meet you, Angelo. Kaylin, the girls were just wondering if you'd like to uh, come over and join us. And then, you know, they immediately shove his face in ice cream. A banana split. Would you like to join us for a banana split? All right. 
<laughs> oh, if only Iceman had been there. How about a banana split? I don't understand this character at all. He has absolutely no skills at reading the room whatsoever. That's not his superpower at all, is reading the room. <laughs> right. He's like, you're a big family. You clearly had friends. You had your buddy over at the house talking to you before. Everything's fine. But I think you might want to steer clear of the Biff Tannen level group over at that table. That's not going to end well for you, sir. <laughs> And this is the part of this is the part of the show where I wish if I'd been writing it, I would have taken a turn. And at the end of the thing, my supervillain would have been Kayla, because for some reason, Kayla looks like they have tippy headrant her out of the 50s. She does not look like she belongs with any of these people at all. She's very no. blonde. She wears top button sweaters, but mini skirt at the same. She's like an ice skater who's forgotten to take off her outfit and has just walked out of the rink and gone on down to the malt shop. <laughs> yeah, she does just like I think grandma. if she had turned out to be some kind of dream demon, I think that would have been great. <laughs> That's a great idea. The dream demon lives inside of my head. <laughs> I like to ice skate before I go to bed. <laughs> All right, well, with that, it's time to stop the show. And play a game. We're two hours in and halfway through. What do you got, Joe? This is a little game I designed. It's called X Games. I don't know if you guys remember how sweet and cool <laughs> the X Games was back in the mid-90s oh, and playing yeah. the PlayStation yeah. game mm -hmm. of X Games. Mm -hmm. On my Xbox. But this, <laughs> this game that I came up with and named X Games is actually just like it, and it's super yeah. sick. Generation X, Generation The Dream Dimension, the game. April 5th, 1994, Kurt Cobain, lead singer, guitarist, and songwriter for the ultra-popular band Nirvana, is found dead in his Seattle home by apparent suicide, leaving behind a catalog of music that set the gold standard for grunge music. But more importantly, Nirvana and the Seattle grunge scene set the tune for public perception of America's disaffected youths, which was largely portrayed as lethargic, sarcastic, and poisoned with irony also known as Generation X. So what I've got is a series of taglines from some of the most famous Generation X films. Uh, and you're going to have to guess the movie based on the off the tagline. If you can't get it off the tagline, I can give you the year and director. You guys know how this works. Mm -hmm. Buzzing with your Kurt Cobain yowl. Yeah, buzzing with... Way! Or... Uh, I got a new complaint. Hey. Nothing on the top. That's mine. Nothing on the top but a bucket and a mouth and an illustrated book about birds. All right. Number one. The tragedy of life is that man is never free yet, strives for what he can never be. The thing most feared in secret always happens. This is by far the hardest one. I should have I should have put this toward the end. But Read it again. The tragedy of life is that man is never free, yet strives for what he can never be. The thing most feared in secret always happens. You guys want the second clue? Yes, please. 1990, please. and the director was Richard Linklater. Slacker. You got it. Woo! I got one. The student didn't buzz in. Oh. Yeah, you didn't buzz in, so... Go ahead, Rob. Slacker. You got it. Yes. All right. Technicality. Number two. They're not there to shop. They're not there to work. They're just there. Nothing on the top. Go ahead, Rob. 
Clerks. Incorrect. <gasps> I mean, nothing on the top. Yes. Small rats? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Hell yeah. Course corrected. <laughs> Number three. Talk hard. Steal the air. The voice of a generation. Hi. Go ahead, Stuart. Howard Stern's private parts. <laughs> no. Nothing on the top. Go to Rob. Pump up the volume. You got it. Holy shit. Hell yeah. You can tell Rob's a Suncoast kid. <laughs> I did work at Suncoast. I worked at a Sam Goody Suncoast combo store. Really? Yeah. It sucked. All right. Number four. Sex. Clothes. Popularity. Whatever. Hi. Go ahead, Stuart. Clueless. Damn it. You got it. Oh, finally. <laughs> Bill, is that where you were going to stay? Yeah. So... I'm giving Bill a point, too. Number five. A comedy about fear of commitment, hating your job, falling in love, and other pop favorites. Nothing on the top. Go ahead, Rob. Reality Bites? No. Hi. Hi, Fidelity. You got it. All right. Even a hitman deserves a second shot. Oh. Nothing on the top. Go ahead, Rob. Gross point blank? You got it. This one's really easy. Sorry. Choose your future, but why would anyone want to do a thing like that? Never let your friends tie you to the tracks. Mm-mm. Hi. Yes. The Great Train Robbery. Nineteen <laughs> eleven. Michael Crichton's The Great Train Robbery. No, nope, not it. You're close though. Why? And by me too. <laughs> Did they make a sequel to that? Yes. Yeah, sometimes they stand by me again. All right. It was a train spotting. Oh. All right. There ain't nothing wrong with letting a girl know that you're money and that you want a party. Come on. Nothing on the top. Good, Rob. Swingers? It's swingers. Can the greatest romance of your life last only one night? Look who's talking? No. <laughs> no. Look who's talking. <laughs> Look who's talking too? Nothing on the top. You good, Rob? Go? No. Uh, Bill, you got a guess? Sounds so familiar to me. It's not licensed to drive. <laughs> no. It's very pretentious, I'll tell you that. Before sunrise. It is before sunrise. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't even know if this one qualifies. All right. Once upon a time in South Central LA, it ain't no fairy tale. Coming soon to a hood near you. Increase the peace. Hi. Go ahead. Is this New Jack City? No. Pretty close though. Not really, actually. Nothing on the top. Good. Poison the hood? It is poison the hood. Jesus Christ. All right, two more. Love is a game. Easy to start. Hard to finish. Oh. Way. <laughs> Go ahead, Bill. This fair game. No. Damn. Read it again. Love is a game. Easy to start. Hard to finish. 1992 by maybe the worst director of all time, Cameron Crowe. Is it singles? It is singles. Fuck Cameron Crowe. We watched Jerry Maguire the other night. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a... Get out of your own way, man. What are you fucking doing? All right. Last one. I'm not going to do... It's not who you love. 
It's how. Hi. Go ahead. The bird cage. No. <laughs> Damn, my favorite movie though. Yes. Fossey, Fossey, Fossey. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! I fucking love that movie so much. It's not even funny. And my fucking mom, I was, the trailer came on and I was like, oh, the birdcage is on tonight. And she goes, oh, is that your favorite movie? Because <laughs> for some reason, my parents, everyone in my family thought I was gay for a very long time, which, I mean, they're only half wrong. But. Like, what a bizarre thing for my mother to say to me. And say, Mom, movie doesn't have five syllables in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't really need to hit me with that. All right. Any guesses on this last one? No. It's not who you love. It's how. No. 1997, Kevin Smith. Oh, is it? Hi. Chasing Amy. It is Chasing Amy. All right, Rob is our winner of Generation X game, the game for the episode about Generation X. As it should be. Congratulations, Carter. <laughs> God damn, Rob. Generation X. Rob, for your victory, you've won a 1-800-Collect t-shirt and a free <laughs> trip to Mardi Gras 3. <laughs> I'm still confused on what Mardi Gras 2 is. It's the second one. The second one? What? <laughs> it's only one fat Tuesday. This is baffling. Mardi Gras 2 comes after Fat Threes Day. <laughs> now, Bill, you're Generation mm-hmm. X. Stuart, you're like like the eldest of m- millennials. Yes. And then Rob and I are both millennials. But I always, when I was growing up, I always thought I was Generation X. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm that. Well, they also didn't tell us we had a generation name until we were in our like 30s. So That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were changing it up like all the time. Like I was told I was Generation Y. Generation Y. Well, yeah. gen- my generation knew that, but we just didn't care to tell you guys because we didn't care. We didn't really. We got to go to work. All right. Let's get to know Rob and Bill. Tell us about things you want people to hear about. Bill, why don't you take the lead on this one? Sure. Our podcast, Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, came out of the idea of Rob and I like to talk to each other, and we like to talk to each other about some goofy stuff. So we're friends. We work together on another podcast called Grace Discovery, Star Trek podcast, and we've been friends behind the scenes. We hang out all the time, and we would just text each other things like, man, you've got to see this weird movie, and we'd do it, and then we'd talk about it, and we're like, eh, let's just start recording this. So it kind of came out of a love of things that you won't see anywhere else particular. Granted, we do some mainstream stuff on there, but our goal is to kind of shine a light on other movies, some B-movies, C-movies, things that are tangential, things you haven't heard of. The idea being like if you walked into a video store back in the day and you went to the past the main seller's rack to the knockoffs or the Italian movies or anything like that and take a look at it, see what it was made from, and basically try to have a lot of fun with media. We live in a time where there's just too much negativity just for negativity's sake there's plenty of reviewers out there that'll just they get a joy out of hammering on everything and it's true and especially bad movie can be a good time if you have it and watch it with a friend and a lot of these people don't set out to make bad things they're just gloriously bad in some ways so we just share it back and forth and we have a blast doing it we've we've recorded two series already and we're actually recording our third so we're hoping to get some traction on some stuff like that and just keep on going just to echo what bill's saying we wanted to do a show together and we had to bit a theme to it and 
I do like that we're able to either watch a franchise of movies or watch a theme of movies. Like, you know, we're coming on talking about Generation X because we're doing a series based on Marvel movies that were made before the MCU came into being. And you forget that the MCU started in like 2008. And that's a while ago at this point. So Mm -hmm. there was many different iterations of Marvel stuff ahead of time. But yeah, I love doing Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I've made podcasts for Team Coco, Sirius XM, Vice, you know, all these places. But personally, it's my personal projects that I have the most fun with, like Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure or my comedy show about reality TV called Vanderpump Rob's, which... Joe, you've been on a couple of times. Cheryl's been I, on I've it. actually been on a Bill, Bill and Rob a couple of times mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, you've also been on Bill and Rob's. It's fun uh, as hell. Stu, what, you're, you're fucking missing out, man. You gotta... I know. I need to come on. I can't believe you did Garfield's Thanksgiving and you didn't think of me. That is true. Well, wh- <laughs> here's the thing. Why would we have? We don't. We, you gotta. You gotta sell yourself to us. We don't. But no, you're welcome on anytime. Sell me this, Stuart. And we're open to doing special episodes too. We've decided that Ooh. if we can get people on, their schedule works, and they want to talk about their favorite movie that maybe they think other people need to know about or hasn't been shown. Will we have a format where we can do one-offs and slide them in? Because we don't want to get cheated out of a great yeah. conversation and a great hang with some friends of ours and letting other people know some fun stuff that's out there. That's one of the best things about doing the show is we don't gloss over the things that are actually bad, but you get too many things today of people going, well, it's just bad because it's old or it's just bad because it's cheap. And that is not enjoying the media. Media can be and should be fun, even if it's not the greatest thing ever made. And you can have a great time with your friends talking about it. And we have had it. We've had it with Joe. We've had it with our other guests. And we have it just by ourselves. So if you've got a gem that you'd like to throw out there we are more than willing to take 100 yeah i th- that's what i love about y'all's show is it's really it's i mean it's very positive yeah it's very positive without being toxically positive it's pretty rare that you shit on something mm-hmm. yeah genuinely genuinely enjoying something even if it is kind of hard to watch yeah, yeah i mean people don't set out to make bad things they're just doing the best they can. Now, maybe they know they're making a cheap thing. They know it, and you should know it, too. And mm-hmm. when it is bad, and because it goes bad, we know we have fun with that, too. We will gladly let you know, but that's not our focus. We It's just too much of that. We want to sit down and have a fun movie night, not like, oh, God, I have to watch this shit again. So, you know, go out and have a good time with it. And just like this thing, it's gloriously terrible. And that's the kind of stuff we love. So One other final thing I wanted to just plug here is that one of the first podcasts I ever made was a comedy horror movie podcast called Pumpkin Spice Podcast. And mm-hmm. it has gone through a few iterations, has laid dormant for about a year at this point. But I've just recorded a new episode with <gasps> my friend. Yes. Exclusive, exclusive yep. information here. Graham Young. That's right. Friend of the show. Yes. And uh, Graham Young and I are back behind the mic and we recorded an episode 
on the movie Prison by Rennie Harlan. And I'll wait to listen to it and watch that. Oh, wow. We talked about that on the episode yeah. that Graham was on. He was on yeah. Doorways. So we talked about that because Kirkwood Smith is in it, right? <laughs> yeah, Graham and I like exclusively talk about Rennie Harlan movies. Are you a short hair Rennie Harlan guy or a long hair Rennie Harlan guy? Long hair. Same, same. I also wanted to bring up that we just joined your podcast collective. Yeah, it's called Bridge Burner because we've all been perfect our entire lives and we make perfect podcasts. It's got Pumpkin Spice, it's got Bill and Rob's, it's got Piloting Error, that's this podcast. It's got yes, sir. Bachelor Masters, a hilarious podcast about the Bachelor franchise and Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Absolutely. Yes. We're going to have all those people on this show because we need guests. Yes. <laughs> I have not done this professionally. Working with Rob and asking me to be on the show is like the first time I've been on Mike. But I think it's great. And I love the things we're doing because there are so many other networks and things that I listen to a lot. And we all know what the corporate podcasts sound like. And it is great to just be involved with people you like and people you know. And to do nothing more than just try to boost the signal of friends and have a great listen to things is one of the proudest things i've ever been involved with so and i owe that to rob schulte for letting me be his partner on this and it is great to have you guys on board i love your show i am desperate to just keep being a part of this because you've set me down the pilot rabbit hole of (laughs) all the things i remember hell yeah and if we can ever get to the black bart pilot for blazing saddles from oh god i don't know about that is that freely available it is on youtube it was included on the dvd set for one of the issues yes and it is out there and it is a thing to behold and i watched it in a hospital parking lot waiting for my wife to come out from getting one of her flu shots so yeah (laughs) one of those was more interesting than the other we'll do the episode i'll let you know which one it was (laughs) holy shit it has lewis gossett jr Holy fuck. The thing about pilots is I've spent hours researching them and there's always another one. And every one of them is as bizarre as the last. It's just amazing what people would try just to get on the air. They're not good, but they're amazing to watch in retrospect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Security chamber G110. Access denied. Passcode required. Back at the school, Skin is practicing his hacking. Access denied. (laughs) Passcode required. It's taken a lot of abuse since I've been here, Lupita. But not from you. Let me show you a little something I picked up when I ran email for the Vario local gangsters. Try public cyber encryption. Welcome to security chamber B110. What is your request? Full security access for student Espinosa. Code beta hexa 90210. <laughs> and he finds his way into a room that has the dream chair. Oh, very cool. To have just a room with a creepy chair in it. In a spotlight. The dream chair. When this happened, I thought it was Dr. X's like chair. Like they yeah. were showing the movie. No, Professor X's floating yellow Cerebro. wheelchair. No, no. Cer- Cerebro. Cerebro. Cerebro made by Activision. <laughs> Cerebro is on Jubilee's uh, yeah. rest rest right at the top. Yeah. What is the deal with that? Is that the machine? Is that what you call the machine? Cerebro is the thing that Professor X uses to connect with every living mutant on the planet. It like enhances his telekinetic or his... Yeah, telekinetic. Whatever mental power he has. Yeah. So is the Cerebro on that that arrest record? Is that an Easter egg? Did we discover an Easter egg? Pretty blatant one, but I guess. Yeah, sure. Okay. So this is the device that 
that both Emma and Matt Fuhrer were working on together sometime in the past. This allows the sitter to travel to the dream dimension and inhabit other people's dreams. Yeah, because if you missed it in the first half, the million times they said it, they're really hammering it in in the conclusion that dreams are a different dimension. Mm Mm-hmm. We were obsessed with things being in different dimensions in the 90s. It's true. Quit throwing your garbage into our dimension. Dimension X. Dimension X. And just, is it just me or is the dream dimension the most boring thing imaginable on this show? Just like shattered glass, like spilled paint. Well, it kind of makes sense because the dream dimension appears to be the un-CGI'd version of the last 20 minutes of Star Trek The Motion Picture. It's just the V'ger walk <laughs> without actually getting to V'ger, which is like, I didn't think there could be anything more boring than V'ger, but not actually getting to fucking V'ger pulled it off. Congratulations, Dream Dimension. Yeah. So now we get the, the most memorable scene in the show, something that should be funny, but really isn't. Matt Brewer is meeting with the executive board of his company in a mall food court, <laughs> and he has a teeny tiny version of the dream chair sitting on the table for some reason. Yeah, that that's something that'll show up on Antiques Roadshow like 40 years in the future. <laughs> Who made this model? Oh, here we have a, this is a salesman model. What is this? A dream chair for ants? He starts off by telling them that that the subliminal messaging campaign was a huge success, and now he wants to invade people's dreams so he can tell them to buy things. I can go into people's dreams and get them to buy any product I tell them to. They are powerless to stop it because these impulses come from their subconscious. So this plan makes no sense. And yet it's not the first time that that has been the impetus of invading people's dreams, right? That feels like such a familiar... They even did it in like DuckTales. They did it a lot in this in early TV in the 70s too. That it was all about mind control, getting in your mind, manipulation, all that stuff. The dream thing I don't get because I've had lots of dreams and none of them ever really made me get up and do anything except maybe go to the bathroom and maybe <laughs> laugh a little bit. That's about it. I don't know where he's going with this. You can now use science to go into people's minds, which was considered a metaphysical realm before it's kind of like how ghostbusters is using science to interact with ghosts in the in the paranormal in this like new kind of technology way that that's kind of the thoughts they're playing and i guess it would be more impactful if he was going in there and the dream sequences were set up in a way that showed him as being able to manipulate the thoughts of these people Mm -hmm. but he's it just looks like they're on the same set they were on five Mm -hmm. minutes ago and he's trying to sell them a new saturn i don't know (laughs) Why Why any of this would make you do anything? It's kind of lost on me. But, okay, so, of course, they don't believe him that he can do actually do any of this. But Matt Frewer prepared by going into all of their dreams and telling them to have gastric eruptions at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Prepared a small practical demonstration. I took the liberty of visiting each of you in your dreams last night. While you slept, I made a small suggestion to each of you that I believe will demonstrate with a soupçon of humor the efficacy of this tool. At exactly 10 o'clock, each member of this board will have an involuntary gastric eruption. So they all sit there for a very tense few minutes where they're all looking at each other and sweating. And then they all start burping and farting. Control bad. (laughs) 
gentlemen. I give you a quantum leap in mind control. Ed forgot. How did he me mesmerize them into doing it? I don't it? know yeah. how that would work. What the mechanics yeah. are there. I'm going to really need to get to the bottom of this. I do have to say, guys, it was around this time watching this the first time before I had to like pause it and come back to it that I, I got really lost down a rabbit hole on yes. Wikipedia. God's, God's honest, honest truth. truth of our bud Dwyer. <laughs> was, now, you you mentioned this to me. And then I said yes. something I, that I don't know much about our Bud Dwyer. And you sent me a paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it just goes to show you that, like, you should listen to the signals telling you to step away from something if you're going to be podcasting about it soon. And I did. I eventually paused it and then picked this back up again. And, you know, rewound the 10 minutes that I had wasn't paying attention to because I was like, this podcast is going to go off the rails if I start talking about our Bud Dwyer instead of Generation <laughs> X at like the climax of the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, you can go look that up. Yourself. Yeah, go just pop on over to Lively. It looks like a very long Wikipedia article that looks very well sourced. So... Mm. Now, Bill, I got to know, because you have much more of a memory of that time than I do. Do you, do you think do you think he actually took the bribes? <laughs> He's a politician. Of course he took the bribes. Took them all. That's right. <laughs> of course he took them all. <laughs> Absolutely took them There you have it, folks. All right, so what happens next is a bit confusing. Matt Frewer is gone. And the board is discussing whether or not to go along with the dream scheme. I don't know how the rest of you feel about this opportunity, but I'd rather hit the street with a tin cup than make money the way Mr. Tresh is proposing. If he could bring down this entire corporation, the man's insane. And dangerous. I say we call the authorities. He's your loose cannon, Bob. What do you say? He's gone off the deep end. I'll take care of it, John. A2... We enter the dream of one of the executives, the one Matt Brewer was talking to earlier, Bob, and he explains at one point that this is a stress dream. This is actually not happening. It's a common anxiety dream, Bob. Replaying the day's events. Please. Everything we've been seeing happened earlier in the day, and he's been dreaming. The fart meeting is already over, and he's actually in his bed at home. Yeah, yeah, I think he's at home, definitely. I'm not sure if the meeting happened and then there's like a clip and then it picks up and, the, and that part's the scene. Either way, it's the two run together and one follows the other one along. So, of course, when you see V'ger pop up in the background, you're like, uh-oh, this ain't right. <laughs> and to be fair, I would be stressful too because can you imagine being in a meeting where somebody is sitting here going, mind control is the next big thing and we're going to do this. That would be like having a NASCAR team and going, we had a good season. Next season, we're going to do better by putting flamethrowers and machine yeah. guns on the car. And it's like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> they probably had to air out the room too. <laughs> So Matt Frewer is inside this guy's dream, talking to him and accusing him of trying to sabotage the dream scheme. You can scheme. solve all your problems in the body. By just flying away like a little songbird. That's right. Spread your wings. Shoot. Please, Russell, I, I wasn't trying to betray you. you. You need help. You said anything about betrayal, Bobby dear. This whole thing is all in your Shoo! 
there is some pretty cool imagery here, but Matt Frewer convinces the guy he's a bird, and then there are birds on a giant screen, <laughs> and the guy jumps out of his window in the real world and dies. And it's it's terrible yeah. CGI. It looks like the building is five miles tall. I'm going to cross a bunch of streams on this one because this is definitely your your Bob Morton from OCP. He goes out the window, Ronnie Cox style, but he also goes out the window, Jim Carrey pushing his boss out in Batman Forever. Mm -hmm. This whole thing is just a pickup of all these images that is absolutely insane. But I would want to do this in real life because, look, I love Max Headroom, but that's a 22-minute show. Yeah. At this point, Matt Brewer made this into a seven-hour marathon-feeling <laughs> movie. And this speech of his, I kept looking up going, I either want to pass out or this movie's got to be over. And because it was the commercial version, I clicked the button. I'm like, I'm only a fucking hour into this movie? <laughs> we spent... Quite a bit of the last half of this seeing Matt Brewer in people's dreams trying to kill them in wacky ways. And it's very Freddy Krueger. And in fact, earlier in the movie, he actually says he wants to be Freddy Krueger. Dreams are another dimension, Bobby. Can you grasp that? You know, like uh, Freddy Krueger. It's like so explicit. Yeah, and it's that weird juxtaposition thing. Like It's like in the arcade when you can see the X-Men game in the background. You're not supposed to, quote-unquote, take it seriously, but you are supposed to suspend a certain amount of disbelief, and every time things like mm -hmm. that pop up, it just pulls me right out of whatever I'm doing because you they live in a world where name brands don't exist. Everything is beer and tissues. No, the only thing they sell and is... A virtual Fighter, Slick Lips, and... Coffin Nails cigarettes even on their best day that's not getting by the fda in 1996 it's just not <laughs> do you prefer your podcast to have solo narrators to two people telling private jokes are you looking for a podcast that is about true crimes and unsolved mysteries and not i repeat not two friends hanging out and rambling about nonsense do you like podcasts that stay on topic 100% of the time? If you answered yes to these questions and reenacted an Unsolved Mysteries podcast, it's not for you or the folks that left us those one-star reviews. We're just two pals who love the 1990s show Unsolved Mysteries and have no interest in actually solving mysteries from the episodes we watch and recap. Come get spooked with me, Robert, and my friend and relatively normal woman, Christo, every two weeks as we talk stack, ghosts, UFOs, food, and occasionally crime on reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries podcasts. All right, so we get some commercials, most notably an ad for Rumble in the Bronx, where Ben Stein is explaining that Jackie Chan does all his own stunts. What you are about to see is real. Get ready to rumble! This is Jackie Chan doing his own stunts. No stand-ins, no stuntmen, no computer special effects. Way cool. This is Jackie Chan's American Breakthrough. The film Rumble at the Bronx debuted at Sundance in January, and this broadcast is in late February. It is brand new. It's in theaters right at this very moment, and it would become the most profitable movie in 1996. In fact, I am as an adult sitting here with you guys reviewing a show that was on in 1996, where at this time I was at the Sawmill Movie Theater midnight opening of that movie because I was reviewing that movie for my college newspaper. And I reviewed Down Periscope, which also gets a commercial. Now call me a prude if you want, but I don't think it's good policy for the Navy to hand over a billion dollar piece of equipment 
to a man who has welcome aboard tattooed on his penis wow. in this movie. Damn. So this is a big Damn. old, I'm in the dream dimension, boys. I'm already there. <laughs> we got all our tickets for midnight showing. So I saw that from dusk till dawn down Periscope. Wow. We would get the press kits on Wednesday and me and my partner, we were the big screen boys. That was our name on the paper. That's awesome. Love that. Mike's ass. What a great uh, name. That's like a wrestling duo. That is so good. The big screen boys. Yes. We took our pictures like that. Fucking battle the road warrior. Yeah, we swapped out our picture in the paper every time. We <laughs> took all different headshots. It was like, screw you. You guys get one headshot. We're taking one every week. That is awesome. Oh, my goodness. God, Bill, why couldn't we use big screen boys for our podcast title? <laughs> That's, <laughs> yeah. That awesome. Sorry, Rob. I'm poaching Bill, and he and I are starting the big screen boys. A collective needs <laughs> show. That's <laughs> all I'm <saying>. <laughs> <laughs> So Skin and Jubilee decide to use the dream chair to go inside other people's dreams. Jubilee goes inside her parents' dreams and sees all kinds of dramatic things. Eventually, she'll understand why we let them take her. I just wish she'd talk to us. Dad, it's okay. But Matt Furrer is there. Talk about your hallmark moment. What is this? This is one cosmic coinkydick. We are fellow travelers. You're visiting dad in his dream. I'm visiting you. He is visiting her while she is visiting other people. This is. Um, and he tells her. I love you for your mind. Which makes her scream. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So fucking rapey. Yeah. So biz- like This poor girl. Oh, this, this, There's a lot of this shit that gives me really bad heebie-jeebie. Bad. But yes. Yes. Then Skin uses the chair and he goes inside the dream of Kayla, who he was stalking earlier. Mm. Well, Matt Frewer is there too, and he tells him he can make the girl like him. I can make that girl pat a butter in your dreams. you like that, Angela? Yeah. The problem's here. Oh. <laughs> Stuart, you should edit in the, the clip of Tobias listening to himself say all of the bizarre phrases. Even if it means me taking a chubby, I will suck it up. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Meanwhile, back where Matt Frewer's real body is, the cops have shown up and are unplugging him from the chair. Um, And this sends him like hurtling back to the real world, but skin grabs his shoulder and yanks him back to the dream dimension. It was kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of a cool effect. Talk about your born again experiences. So at this point, Matt Frewer's mind and body have been separated. His body is a vegetable and his mind is wandering around in the dream dimension for the rest of the show. While they hold him inside of some minimum security hospital slash prison. And it didn't seem like he really wanted to get back in his body until kind of later on. It seemed like he was having fun just wandering around in the dream dimension to me. Yeah, it's what he wants. He wanted that kind of power, but I get the feeling after a while he takes a slide into the old yeah guy from the commercial about, you know, why do you do cocaine? So I can work longer. So I can earn more. So I can do more coke. So I can work longer. So I can earn more. So I can do more coke. So I can work longer. So I can earn more. So I can do more. And he turns into the micro machine guy. It's like dramatically details, stupendously styled, smaller than enough. This one or this one. I think he's sick of himself. He's like, I can get out of here. I can't. I can't keep up with this. I can't be my only friend. 
He's somehow more unhinged in the dream dimension than he is in the real world. Yeah, his mania just takes over completely, and he no longer even has, like, a scrap of self-control. Well, the mutant teens go to a carnival, and of course, the strong girl does the punching bag thing. Why don't I show you how it's done? Wins the prize, and... There are all these you know, teenage shenanigans going on. <laughs> Refrax and Buff hook up. Yeah. At this point, they're making out because there's been like, you like her? Yeah, you don't? And then they finally hook up Buff and Refrax. And as as he gets a boner, his like powers come into being. And he's... <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing. Um, look, uh, why don't we go find the guys? He can, like, see her thigh through her jeans or whatever, and he flips out. And it causes a lot of teenage drama, but it's a little heavy-handed, if you ask me. Well, it's that ridiculous teen TV drama of the fact that all these actors are all... Pretty good-looking kids. Let's just call them what they are. And it falls into that ridiculous category of, like, she's a pretty girl, and he's a guy who likes girls in this film. So, yeah, like, this is not a weird thing yeah. that, of course, like, oh, she's a monster. No, she's not. She looks like a regular person. They all look completely normal. They look like Hollywood actors. Yeah, if, if this had been the comic book, she would have been an actual monster. She would have had horns and shit coming out of her head and breathe fire and a tail. Now we have something to talk about as far as if you're going to be able to like somebody for who they really are. But his this whole thing about them is just, you can't really look at it and take any of their pain seriously. Because by those standards and the way things work in a lot of ways, you don't have a problem getting a boy to like you. It's just that you only know three people and you all go to the same weird bed and breakfast school. That's your yeah. problem. Well, and also, this is that whole thing at the beginning. It's like, when your powers do kick in, I'm going <laughs> to sew your head to his butt. Yeah. And no, no heads yeah. were sewn to any butts. No, but I mean, at least if she'd done that, he could have checked everybody Ooh. for colorectal, and that would have been at least hey. helpful. <laughs> so she was looking out for the team. to be that age. Huh? Tell me about it. Skin runs into Kayla, who has decided she's into him. And this is what Matt Frewer offered him in the Dream Dimension. This is all illegitimate. If he has any morality at all, he would say, no, wait, hold on. You're under the spell of a supervillain. Yep. And yep. we should talk about what you really want. Let's talk. He's like <laughs> the son in the second season of White Lotus. Yeah. He's so far away from his parents that he's his own toxic man. Right, like like someone who lives in a cave. Like a caveman. The second season, you yeah. say. And he's a liar. Let's call him yeah. for what he is because these these he's a liar. <laughs> there we go. Bill Bill play may paint it a little bit easier. He's a liar. liar. And these kids are constantly getting in trouble and they're constantly saying they're sorry. And he's the one that immediately goes and does the exact thing he said he was not going to do ten seconds ago. So you have no empathy for him whatsoever. This is the part I'm pretty sure my wife got up out of the room and she's like, I'm done with this fucker. And she was gone. <laughs> she's like, nope, don't care anymore. He's more of a sport than most. Like if anybody should wake up screaming, it's Kayla. Once she realizes what's been done to yeah. her by these two dudes. Yeah. And so Kayla and Skin are walking around and they run into her townie friends who start mocking him, of course. Where are you from, Pancho? Xavier. Oh, juvie school. 
Come on, Kayla, you're gonna get a rip hanging around with this. Loser. Uh, it's not juvie school, man. Okay, okay, it's not a juvie school. It's for special kids. <laughs> it's for retards. And Mondo sees this, and so he picks up a rock, mm-hmm. and it makes him hard, and <laughs> and the, the bully punches him and, like, hurts his hand. And then they get in a big fight, and only the mutants go to jail. Yeah, huh? Like, the other, he threw the fucking first punch. It's almost like that allegory thing we were talking about earlier. Well, the plot needs it to happen. And that's another <laughs> basic downfall of these kind of things. The plot needs yeah. them to go to jail so they can get in trouble again, so they can get a talking to, so that everybody else can oh, you talk about the townies and stuff. This is what I think is pretty much the weakest part of it, is anytime these kids have an interaction with an adult is almost the worst single moment of every one of these things because none of them mesh up together. They're just all operating on two different wavelengths. They're not even really trying to rebel. They're not really trying to do anything. The adults aren't. They're sort of teaching them, but not really. It's all just kind of waiting around for the next crazy Max Headroom moment to pop up and just send us down another rabbit hole of we got to do this thing now. (laughs) So Emma Frost shows up to get them out and they've told the jailer that their names are... That one says he's Eddie Vedder. That one says he's Eddie Van Halen. That one says he's Eddie Munster. And that one says she's Edie Brickell. That's right, officer. All those names are correct. And I had to look up who Edie Br- Brickell was, because that was the only one I didn't know. Oh, no. Really? You guys know no, exactly who Edie that is? Brickell? No, I'm with you, Stu. I don't know who that is. This is a folk singer. Edie Brickell of the New Bohemians? What I am is what I am. You what you are. Fun story here. I'll keep this very quick. I went to college with Edie Brickell's uh, nephew. Wow. Became good friends with him. Huh. But then after college, I went and worked for FedEx. Her mother, whose name is Larry Linden, who's just like this bizarre old lady who like, I think ran like a dance company who lived in this small town I lived in. She would come in and she would have me pack shit to send to Edie Brickell and Paul Simon. Wow. wow. I have I have shipped a birthday cake to Paul Simon. <laughs> Very odd. Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And she was surprised. She was like, you know who Paul Simon is? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I yeah. how, how would I not? How does this cake taste like parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme? <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> really. terrible. Nasty. Not good. Not a good cake. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's an amazing story. That is awesome. The only thing that would have been better is if those kids had been at Scarborough <laughs> Fair. That's where this friend fair thing was happening. I had all together. Okay, so <laughs> this next scene is is very strange. So... This is when Skin takes Kayla on a date. He knocks on her window while she's sleeping. I thought you were grounded. Girl, I couldn't stay a whole month away from you. You're crazy. See, si. Muy loco. Get dressed. Come on. And the next thing you know, they're in like a botanical garden, and there's like a parrot there, and there's a full-on dance number to like, I think it's Tom Waits? Is it? It's very strange. I was pretty sure it was Tom Waits. I'll check it and, uh, you know... Well, it turns out Skin is visiting this girl in her dreams. Still, still. He is the dream creep. He's grounded and he's feeling bad. So he decides to go back to the dream chair, which he's not supposed to be using, and use it to crawl into this girl who is not his girlfriend that he has made like him into her head and have a date (laughs) in what apparently is Poison Ivy's hideout. (laughs) I don't... 
so why different, different comic book different comic book yeah and for the record going up to a girl's window and knocking on it in the dark has n- never been greeted with a good response yeah. ever not a good pretty, idea pretty sure that's a tv thing so this is all interrupted by matt frewer who shows up and convinces skin to break him out of jail <laughs> <laughs> whoever they are holding his body and and get him back into it he basically threatens him by saying he will visit him in his dreams and bother him forever. You help me, or I'll tell me your dreams and give you eight hours of hell every night. Then I'll do the same to your honey-skinned girlfriend. And if that doesn't work, how would I find rape? This sweet little sister of yours. Please, don't hurt her. I will sign you up for BMG Music, and I will not let them cancel it. <laughs> I'll have a Columbia House membership till the dawn of time. <laughs> I think that was my other main interest around this time. Comic books and, oh, yeah. you know, Columbia House. getting stuff from BMG and Columbia House. <laughs> so I lived on number 14 was my house, and number four was an empty lot. There was no house there. I noticed that we were always getting mail for number four on my street, just because when it was going to a resident or whatever, they would just put it in our mailbox and we would get it. So I signed up for Columbia House with number four and I got so many tapes. And when they would actually try to bill, like just throw it in the trash because we were like, we're not number four. Stick it to the man. I love this. I probably got 20 tapes, cassette tapes. This was before CDs from, from Columbia House for free that way. Hell yeah. I love that. Matt Frewer is not the master villain that we've learned about tonight. (laughs) Stuart, did you get a copy of R.E.M.'s Monster? I I think I got Cakes, uh, Fashion Nugget, Bex, Odelay, Rage Against the Machine, Empire. Evil Empire. Evil Empire. That album gave me a passing grade when I gave the booklet to my fucking extremely conservative American government teacher. He would post evil album art on his walls that was corrupting the youth. And I was like, oh, you should take this. And I got a passing grade the whole semester. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so Skin does go to the jail and he wakes up Matt Frewer by putting a dream helmet on him. The dream helmet. It's like a portable version of the dream chair, I guess. And when he wakes up, he kidnaps Skin. God. (laughs) And the next time we see them, Skin is strapped to a chair with a dream helmet on in some mad scientist lab. Angelo, old homie of mine, I gotta ask you for just one more little thing. What the hell do you want from me now, man? (laughs) Your brain. I have no idea how Matt Frewer forced him into this situation. I don't understand how he overpowered him. Yeah. It does not make any sense. This is the fatal flaw of these, as we've said before, is Matt Frewer is not a super villain. He has no powers. He has yeah. no super strength. He has no mental abilities outside of the dream realm. He doesn't have any of these things. He's a marketer. He's just a wiry dude. I know that this kid could run faster than Max Headroom. It is a proven (laughs) fact. All he has to do is wait until he opens the door and poof, he's gone. There's no way he is able to just run these people up the flagpole like this. It makes no sense. 
totally. But like Skin, he somehow visits Jubilee in her dream. Tell Emma, he's gonna operate on my brain at dawn. She'll know what to do. Skin? Skin? I'm telling you, I don't know how it happened, but Skin was at the end of my bed. He needs help, guys. You gotta believe me. And she assembles the mutants, and they they all show up there at the lab. And at this point, for some reason, Matt, Matt Frewer is wearing, like, a giant samurai outfit. <laughs> and, like, Banshee even calls him Kimono Boy at one point. Shut your dumb Kimono Boy and bring it to it's very strange. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the thing when you'd watch these shows. It's inevitably. Someone ends up in a kimono. <laughs> somebody, and you can't unsee what's under that kimono. There's just no way around it. I know it's a budget thing, and I think it's also part of the thing that these executives would greenlight these projects. But at the end of the day, I have to believe most of them thought, this is just so goddamn silly. We can't possibly make them look like they look in this book. So they chicken out, and they wear regular clothes or whatever until the last five minutes of the climax, where they get to put on a uniform and then these people don't even do that they assemble the team and they're in the same shit they were wearing this morning it's true so you're i'm watching this show and i'm like all right fine you've done bad enough you've done what every other one of these shows has done you've made me wait this long so put on the fucking suits and get to work and they don't <laughs> they don't do it they've got their same bullshit benetton outfits that they were playing football in <laughs> Yep. They go off to fight this, this businessman in his leftover Sonny Crockett collection suit, which I know is a thing because it was available for me for my prom. You could get a Miami Vice tuxedo at Robert Menshaw. And I was just so pissed watching this. I'm like, you bastards. I don't even get like the 1994 Fantastic Four jumpsuit. <laughs> Fucking rip, man. And you just, it's so bad. Well, uh, all the mutants try to attack him. <laughs> but of course, on their own, they can't defeat him. What needed to happen here, they should have combined their forces and shown that together as a team, they're more strong than one at a time. They roll call the kids. They all get one more shot. Of, they got one, one more a bit of money in, for special effects in the budget. You all get one more power shot. They all take it. And one at a time, like you said. Mm -hmm. They don't even team up with the big mega blast. They should have. Everybody gets, everybody gets one hit, and then... That's it. Oh, shit. Budget's gone. Movie's over. Oh, wait. No, it's not. Yeah. But instead, Banshee just screams, and yeah. Matt Furrer flies through a wall. We're well, pretty good at beating up children. Well, thank you so much. I'm really just a beginner, but I know I can improve. Right. Yeah! Matt Furr becomes a giant floating head. Yeah, so this, the the giant floating head through the brick wall that's like black and white for some reason immediately triggered my brain into thinking about a Twin Peaks season three, <laughs> which he, he kind of looks like that. I wish I'd thought about that. All I could thought about was this is the worst version of the Cars You Might Think video I've ever seen in my entire life because it is just, all, if Rick Ocasek's big head had floated by, I would have, it would have made more sense than what they were doing with this thing. Like, this is just a music video gone horribly wrong. So sad. But the way they finally defeat him is Skin just out of nowhere screams and his arms get really long and they wrap around Matt Frewer 
and Matt Brewer is screaming, and then he jumps through the brick wall. It looks like they fall, but he jumps through the brick wall, and he's screaming into this dream abyss, and they're all like, oh no, he's dead, but then, no, he crawls out, because he has long stretchy arms, I guess. <laughs> and that's the, that's, that's, that's the climax. Oh, and I guess the dream dimension made by the same people who worked for the Empire in Star Wars do not believe in handrails. All this would have been solved. <laughs> yeah. Handrails, a little bit of, yeah, A little bit of safety, a little thought would have gone a long way, but nope, just push them over the edge. It is super. Listen, when you got more than 30 inches, it's required. You have, mm-hmm. have yeah, a handrail. I know. It's a t-shirt. That'd be coming <laughs> to our store. So we get one last scene. The mutants are playing a card game. I want full enlightenment. Dr. D's gone corporate. Can you dance? Cap him with a necro buyout. Bam. A causal defenestration, chica. Transparent. Call it. Zap. Like, it looks like <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! or something. Come on. Come on. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the kids, kids play these days. The Magical Gathering. Pokemon. And Emma Frost and Banshee come in, and they're like, Radicates, what do you think of your new uniforms? And Buff walks yeah. in the room with light streaming behind her like she's a god or something. And she's wearing a very stiff looking red outfit with an X on the belt. Looks exactly like the comics. And they're like, oh, cool. Man. Bill, how much did this piss you off? It's the final insult. Because you're never going to get it. It's never going to happen. You're not going to see it. We had enough money for one outfit, and that's why we only put one of them on here. So here's the movie you might have gotten. Say, we'll have see you next year. Marty got three, motherfuckers, and we're out of here. <laughs> they're going to greenlit this series, and they're all going to get outfits like that. And they'll also get the jet. They'll all be flying around in that jet. Uh, I don't know if it's because apparently the new uniform premiere space in the mansion is off the game room and they went out the wrong door because that didn't have the lighting and the smoke machine that emma and banshee can strike a pose behind while their students walk out it just filled me with fury and anger in a way i didn't know i could be angry anymore but yeah it's (laughs) and that is generation x what a unique experience i can say that for sure yeah certainly was you know watching it now I understand why my brain did not remember any of it from watching it when it first came out. Yeah. Because it is dull. It is dull. Oh, yeah. You have essentially the X-Men, right? Except let's leave out every exciting thing about the X-Men. Well, this is the the X-Men B team. Yeah. Kids are good judges of when they're being scammed or when someone's trying to like pull the wool over their eyes right so when I was really into the X-Men when I saw Generation X a comic book my initial guard was up you know I wasn't in full blown comic book mode you know this is still 94 when Generation X came out I'm in 4th and 5th grade right and so my initial thought is someone's trying to sell me something. Mm-hmm. Someone is trying to sell me something that's like the X-Men, but not the X-Men. Now, the comic apparently went on to be pretty darn decent, right? As comics often do. But, yeah, but no one's putting that comic in my hands and saying, no, trust me, this is good, when I can just continue to read the X-Men, mm-hmm. you know? And so 
by not making or not even connecting any real X-Men to Generation X is already starting at such a low point Mm -hmm. that everything else that's terrible about this and unforgettable or insulting isn't going to do anything to, to help at all, obviously, but like, yeah, you start out by apologizing. Yeah. You're, you're in a hole from the very beginning and you don't do anything to say, okay, we don't get Wolverine or Jean gray or the Phoenix, but you get the guy with the sunglasses. Yeah. yeah, you get a made-up character with sunglasses and a bad script and insult to injury in every way that it can insult and injure you. We get some racial stereotypes. We get some Yeah, we get extremely humiliating, awful. We get a couple of slurs. We get to Matt Fur <laughs> saying that he, he's going to mind-rape Skin's sister in her dream. <laughs> Yeah, when she just pops up out of nowhere. That's yeah. not great. Yeah. Very Freddy Krueger. I think Rob really hit it on the head when it came to the point of, like, you know, you're swerved around and you're fed one thing and showed another. Plus, he's right. You, We do know what is appropriate for our own ages as things. And you can't get around the fact that this show is going to be written by older to middle-aged people trying to say, this is what kids talk yeah. about. And you can't do that. I mean, you smell that immediately. You see it in all the, the angsty stuff. And they don't even do that well because yeah. the teen drama is not good. It's not even really there. The superhero stuff is not really there. So this whole thing is just an exercise and not really there. In the books, you can have the kids. And I think the beauty of Marvel was at points along the way, they did understand that it's still comic book time, but these casts in the books got older. Peter Parker finally got older. The X-Men got older. And when they become 20s and 25, then the the 9 and 10-year-olds don't relate anymore. So they gave them a new cast, which is genius. Bring them in show them the new stuff and have them do kid things. But the kids also want to see like they used to see with Robin. They want to see him fight monsters and wear uniforms. Cause that's the fun part. Cause they're kids. So this thing really doesn't serve anybody when you sit down and look at it. And it's like, okay, now I don't even know why we made it. Cause it's not that great. It's just not that great a thing. And I think, you know, for a couple of tweaks along the way, I think it'd been great if one of the instructors had been Kitty pride, show her a little bit older so she's not so far removed from yeah. them and give them somebody to relate to yeah. instead of these two older characters who don't really look or seem special yeah. in any way, especially with no Professor X figure to go along with. It's just, it misses the mark. And it's always that thing I say, like, if you don't have somebody on on the crew that understands this is what's popular and this is who we need to get involved to make it work, yep. it just becomes a bunch of tired stuff. Got to get someone from the culture. Yeah, young people can smell a phony from a mile away. Yeah, and you can smell it in this one. Yeah, and this is in the trailer. Because you watch the trailer, and there's the one scene where Skin is typing away furiously, screaming into this keyboard that it looks like the mansion's under attack. And then later in the movie, you find out, ah, oh, it's just training day. It's oh, just- but, but here's the thing. Another thing about that trailer, we see that trailer repeatedly in the commercials throughout this, if you mm-hmm. watch the... This scene, the fucking scene at the end with her standing there in that uniform and it's supposed to be this big reveal, you've seen that like 10 times at this point in the commercials. Like, it's no, there's no reveal at all. You're just waiting for it. <laughs> if you watch this on TV. 
yeah, you're thinking like, oh, this is this is the first part when just before they go out and kick out. No, they just she just stands there because it's too uncomfortable to move. It would fall apart. <laughs> it's just like taped together. I don't think there's a back in it. Maybe that they didn't have enough money to do the back. So if you like see behind her, it's just gaffers tape. <laughs> And yeah, the newspaper, that's all it's holding it. together. It sucks because the uniform itself, I mean, it's not god awful. I mean, I'm sure if you high resolution did, <sighs> it, it's just tape and pieces. But as an overall look it's for a foam. TV movie, it's simple enough that it's like, yes, if you had at least worn this, yeah. suited up to go in to do what you were doing, I would have felt a little better because superheroes wear uniforms. That's just how it is. And it's the truth. If you break that one cardinal rule, you've already kind of lost yeah. everybody. So, <clears throat> I will say I wish Matt Frewer had gotten a little bit more. I love Matt Frewer, and he—I don't feel like he ever, other than Max Headroom, really got that like really big role. He could have been like a, a Jim Carrey or something in the '90s if he'd gotten that right role. He's so good. Yeah, he's baby boomer Jim Carrey. I wrote that in my notes. Yeah, and it's really strange. Because if you do go back and watch the Max Headroom TV show with him as Edison Carter. And I recommend everybody go watch 20 Minutes into the Future because it's so fucking good. Yes, please do. Really good. Yeah, And him playing the TV reporter, his Edison Carter, it's a good character. It's exciting. He plays it well. He's got some smarm and some charm. He's an interesting person to watch. He plays it well. And I feel like this thing is just the thing where I figured out earlier that Batman Forever had just come. It's like somebody looked at it and went, Jim Carrey. More Jim Carrey. Make it more Jim Carrey. Make it more Robin Williams. Just go, go. If you don't, we don't have the money to do anything else. Just go as big as you possibly can. And that's what he did to the point where he went past what you want out of an actor <laughs> like him or what he could be. And it's now, now you're just screaming at me through the television and acting like a complete ass that I want to jump on one of those giant <laughs> birds and ride away from like fake Bob Morton from OCP did going out his window. And it is. It's a shame. So if anything you get out of watching Generation X is please go watch Max Headroom. Do not watch Generation X. Go watch Max Headroom. <laughs> if you're going to watch it, put on the version that was recorded from TV with all the commercials. Fast forward through the actual show mm-hmm. and just watch the commercials. And then go watch Blues Brothers 2000. Yeah, and watch Blues Brothers 2000. They're all there at one point. Jim Belushi's there, On Goodman, and uh, Dan Aykroyd is in that. Yeah, they're all st- they're like, yeah, we're in the house of blue. I don't think they are. <laughs> fuck you. Get the fuck out of Ugh. here. I think Mardi Gras 2 is happening in the corner of the lot of the studio because <laughs> this I don't buy any of this bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's in a Florida parking lot. Oh, that might be what it is. <laughs> My favorite thing about the cutaways to the Blues Brothers at the House of Blues was that like they're obviously just shot over the course of 15 minutes, you know, and yes. just sliced in. And they do that sort of thing where it's like, Hey, we're here at the House of Blues, and you know we're celebrating Mardi Gras. And right before it cuts to the commercial or back to the show or whatever, it's edited in a way where, like, Jim Belushi or Dan Aykroyd, like, starts to move because they were they they held their pose for just long enough, but someone didn't cut it at the right time. So it's like you get them frozen, waiting for the fade out, but it's cut with them just like finally going, okay, we're done. All right, fuck this. Let's go to the bar. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like the bad chips ending. Yeah. Like, no, you got to hold it a little longer. Done with this. <laughs> done with the absolute sincerity of the, when you listen to your radio station, if it's still around and the, the rock and roll musicians are like, they just say their name and they don't say, and you're listening to, they just stood there for like 10 minutes and went, hey, 
this is Bruce Springsteen and yeah. your radio station here. <laughs> it's just awful. <laughs> the station that rocks. Yeah. I have one thing to point out that in this Jubilee sure. 15, which would make her born in 1981, which would make her a fucking millennial. Yeah. 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 How about that? She's a fucking millennial. She's wow. not even Generation X. Whoa. Yep. It's a fucking lie. <laughs> this whole fucking thing is oh, a 1-800-LION-BASTARDS. You know, we've talked a lot about grunge and Generation X. Well, a lot of people misattribute the song Hey Man, Nice Shot yeah. to Kurt Cobain, Wait, which that is not what that song is about. It is about our bud Dwyer. It's about our bud Dwyer. Who, if anyone would like to look up our bud Dwyer, Make sure you donate to Wikipedia, read the entire article, and do your own research to figure out if you yeah. took the bribe or not. Give your conclusion. Send them to us in a, in a voicemail. Area code 737-239-1983. That's area code 737-239-1983. Or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's not Rob's job to educate No, you. it's not. I just... It's Rob's job to educate me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, you should listen to uh, our podcast. It's uh, very fun, and uh, we think you will enjoy it. We just recorded an episode about Generation X, the bad television pilot. You sound like Lou Costello. <laughs> <laughs> We've been, I've been a bad, bad boy.